1: For today, it's Wednesday, June thirteenth, twenty eighteen. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Thank you so much for your belief, your trust in in us, your your trust in in allowing us to bring you the news or information about what's taking place uh, with our perspective. Of course, it's a biblical perspective and speaking of that we've got a lot of headlines to get into a lot of information and news to get into just to give you an idea of what uh how the show is going to unfold today we've got Stuart rhodes the the man behind oath keepers who we spent uh some time with in in canton ohio just uh back in april spent quite a bit of time with Stuart rhodes oath keepers the oath keepers organization just a fantastic organization um he's gonna be coming on. And of course, well after that we're gonna have Joe Hoft and uh from the Gateway Pundit and then Pastor Langford. But I, I wanted to just real quick, Joe, uh before we get into anything additional, by the way, a couple of reminders, some housekeeping issues. If you haven't signed up yet for the True Legends Conference in September, I know it seems like a long way away. Uh, i was speaking with steve quayle folks tickets are going very quickly and i know hotel rooms are going very quickly so i would or, as well as the live stream i don't i don't know if they've got a um like a limit up upward limit or downward i don't know i don't think on the live stream they okay would but i do know that that the um if you're if you folks if you are planning on going to um the true legends conference in Branson, Missouri, this September, Joe and I will be there. And there, there are going to be a lot of surprises. Of course, David Knight's going to be, uh, an MC there. Um, Steve Quayle will be there, Tim Alberino, uh, and of course, pastor David Langford will be there. So I, I guess I said that j- just to, if you can, um, get your tickets right away because you don't want to be left out and, um, I know there's at the, you know, toward the end, there's always a rush. So um I'm not sure how many tickets are left. So do it as soon as you can. That's the True Legends Conference. And, of course, the Red Pill Expo. It's our intent to have a presence there. I, I'm not going to get into the details there except to say that uh, the Hagman Report will be represented there. And uh just more on that. But that's coming up June 21st, later this month. If you go to, on both, just go to hagmanreport.com and click on the appropriate links and that'll take you to, uh, to the various, uh, to the conferences. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about Branson. It, it's, it's a fantastic, it will be, I mean, it really, in my view, a life changing experience and to be around uh, people like steve and and uh, pastor langford and others my goodness it's just the people are great it's just a a, just a great time and a lot of learning a lot of great information and red pill of Mm -hmm. course enough said there i mean my goodness look at the speaker's roster oh my goodness so all of that um i I saw a story and, and this is kind of out of left field uh, th- this was in the Huffington Post. Joe, I wanted to to lead off with this and kind of get your reaction. This was published today in the Huffington Post. And I'm going to read the title. It, it, the, to me, the, the entire report is offensive to me, um, even the title. But but I'm just going to read this title. It, it, it's it's written by a guy. The article was written by a, a guy, I believe, Noah, Noah Mickelson. And the title is, if you really love LGBTQ people, you just can't keep eating Chick-fil-A. And there's a picture of, uh, Chick-fil-A, of course. It's a via Getty images, Bl- Bloomberg via Getty images. And then underneath the, uh, picture said, it says this, queer phobia, queer phobia never tastes good. But the article itself really was insulting, I thought. And the reason I bring this up—remember, um, well, maybe maybe you don't—but there is um, there is a from the Communist Manifesto, 1848, Karl Marx: abolition of the family. Even the most radical flare up at this infamous proposal of the communists. But I saw this article, and I started looking at uh looking at the agenda of the LGBTQ community. And remember when Coach Dave Dobmeyer spoke about the Burgerfeld decision, and remember when uh, Coach Dobmeyer and uh, others went to the Supreme Court in advance and, and held a prayer vigil there, Hope, hoping praying of course against the decision and remember what was said it's it's the start it's not the end it's it's not the it's not granting civil rights or equal rights to a same-sex marriage no it's not that it's granting special rights and when you read this article the reason I, i brought this up is when you read this article there's nothing to do with this has got nothing to do with equal rights It's all about special rights, and it's all about this cultural Marxism. And I just really wanted to drive this point home. This Noah Mickelson, to me, is insulting the entire... I mean, this article is insulting to me. It's insulting to, I believe, our nation. It's insulting to God. It's insulting to Christians.
2: Did you see the story
1: where the CEO of Twitter,
2: Jack Dorsey, apologized? For eating at Chick Fil A, uh, apologizing to yeah, the homosexual yeah. community—it's absolutely ridiculous. And the, uh, you know, Huffington Post and and the stuff—I I don't know. I mean, this is what they, this is what the left believes in. This is their, uh, this is what they champion in now: illegal immigration and homosexuality and perversion. Well,
1: and and, and you know, it's interesting to me. We're witnessing, and I just believe this—we're witnessing the fundamental. Well, attacks on our, on, on the fundamental, on the fundamentals, our morals, our values of our nation. And the quote I, I gave from Karl Marx Communist Manifesto 1848, this enormously influential work that launched a revolution that's unprecedented in its destruction. Yesterday we spoke with uh, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. Talking, Joe and I, spoke, talked to Robert Spencer about. And Joe, you brought it up about how the homosexual community is aligning themselves with the Islamic. Islamic. Islamic community. Community. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. But I mean, consider back in the. Just think. I don't know. In the in the nineteen eighties, we, we we would have never thought this way back in the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, even. But now it's. It's beyond anything that we could have ever seen, and I got to, I got to thinking about this. This is rebellion, rebellion against God. Rebellion. Now I'm not I'm not a minister, not a preacher, not a, uh, I'm I'm barely a functional Christian. Okay, you know what I mean. All right, but this is not new. Rebellion is not new. It's it's as old as the Old Testament despite the fact that communists have, have this perverse rebellion in mind the revolt against God is an ancient battle that goes back to the Garden of Eden interestingly enough Stan Dale talking about the Garden of Eden and his expedition there people will say well that's not real or you mean it's a real place yeah it is and, and so right now the left they have, they are undeterred they're faithful to their rebellious roots. They've long been hell bent on taking down the family, and, and especially over the last couple of centuries, but in particular over the last ten years. And to that, I would say that Barack Hussein Obama was our first homosexual or gay president, uh, and, and I I do believe in some respects he describes himself in that in that fa- in that capacity. But the current democratic socialist standard that consenting adults who love each other ought to be entitled to marriage rights cannot, by sheer logistical, logical consistency, it, it can't end there, if you think about it. When you redefine marriage as anything except one man or anything but one man and one woman, there's not going to be any end to that redefinition. And this is what we're seeing today. And we're seeing people like Noah Mickelson, uh, using Chick-fil-A as, you know, hey, don't eat there because you are funding, in his words, queer phobia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so funny. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of open it up with that. Um, because just look at, look at the, just look at what, what, uh, the Trojan horse that, that is called gay marriage or homosexual marriage. It is a Trojan horse. Remember the,
2: the, and you pointed this out, the arguments that, uh, you know, once, if they were to legalize homosexual marriage, that's what the battle was all about. But as soon as that happened, what do we see? We see this push yeah. to, to erase gender boundaries. We see a push to include children in, uh, gender decisions and pushing transgenderism on to kids. And this is just the beginning. We're only a few
1: years outside of that decision. And and, and that's a real danger here. The the problem is less same-sex marriage than the legal redefining that will enable so much more. And that's the bottom line. That's what this is about. Um, In the end, this redefining will make a mess of everything, not the least of which is just marriage. Uh, mess with family, and M- as families fall apart, so does society. And, and we see things yeah. like uh,
2: Infowars the other day. Uh, you know, transgender kids who were, uh, you know, males trans transgendering to women are are winning track meets. Uh, you know, at at the high school state champions, just like the men uh, who become women are are beating up other women in UFC cage matches. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's just unbelievable what they are allowing to happen. And it's like this push and this rush to pervert society. They hate God. They hate Christianity. There it is. And that's the bottom line. And any and everything to to push against that, that's what they're going to do.
1: And, and, and you know, the, the stories, the, um, the, the human sex and child sex trafficking reminded me so much of uh, coming back to this. And I think that there is. A, a very tight relationship between this re- redefinition of of a biblical family and what's going on with the with the perversions um and even some of the suicides that we've been seeing i don't want to get too far in the weeds but joe when you came into the office i was looking at some looking at some pretty intense it was uh, i was listening to yeah you know you've got Ant, uh what's that guy's name uh, anthony Bourdain. Bourdain, right and that woman um, Kate, Kate Spade, David Spade's sister-in-law. Okay. I she will. All right. Yeah, Kate Spade and some other, when you do yourselves a favor. Well, I don't know if that's a favor or not. No, it's not. Um, if you really want to get into some really deep, very strange, and I mean, some really odd things, look into, look at some of the photographs. Of Kate Spade. Yeah.
2: Oh, my word. There's a, um while you're we talking about this, I don't think you've seen this, but there's a video going around out there, and I'm going to find it. But uh it deals with all this, and it connects it to, you know, the Pedogate. Um, it shows the Instagram's accounts. Okay, Kate Spade, Hillary Clinton, child trafficking, bombshell exposed. Um, let me find this account. Yeah, so I While you're looking, out, I,
1: I p- do p- want to say this and reaffirm this. Pizzagate, it's real. Pettigate is real. It, it's, it's kind of like what the Democratic Socialists had, had done to marriage. They redefined it to something that's unrecognizable. That's not... Uh, Pizzagate is not just one simple location in some city and one person. and It's you know, it's not about that. It's about something much larger. All right, and, and go ahead. On YouTube, search "Pizzagate Folder
2: Number One." Pizzagate Folder Number One. That'll take you to the first video. And there is a series of videos that show uh, these images, these slideshows. I can uh, I can post this. Uh, we can probably post this up on Hagman Report. I want you to take a look at it before we do that. And there are some connections here. Uh, with the uh, I don't know what connections, but you know when you were playing that video earlier, it reminded me of a Bible verse. And let's just find this Bible verse. But uh, paraphrasing it, it talks about how these people have made a covenant with death, and this is what they uh, yeah have. This is what they are celebrating and promoting.
1: I, I would I would really Isaiah twenty eight eighteen of investigation on in this. Go ahead.
2: It says uh, this is Isaiah chapter twenty eight verse eighteen. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. But this this speaks of a, a conspiracy of people who have this agreement with hell and with with Satan. And I think that ties into the Hollywood entertainment industry and the selling of souls and how these people are gravitated to this uh, insanity level of cannibalism and and blood and gore, and all their Instagram accounts show it, and their social connections, what else could it be? I mean, that's exactly, when I read that, that's the verse that comes to mind when I see the the
1: spirit cooking images, and it's an interesting verse, and I think applicable. And you 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 may be sitting out there saying, well, there's so much more to talk about. You know, what about... Uh, there is some I you know, want to talk about. Uh, Tommy Robinson, uh, there's some updates on that. Yes. We we uh, uh, but uh, before we change topics, I just want to say this. Uh, the, from the depths of hell, I, I think we're looking at things that, that are happening be- because so many people here of late are, are um, being divisive over, for example, you know this, what's going on in Tucson or what had gone on in Tucson. Look, folks, there's real trafficking. There's real human uh, sex uh, raping and
3: even going and on in
1: Tucson. But it's yes, not yes, but it's not what we're seeing. That's correct. So, please understand. Um, don't lose sight of the bigger picture. If, 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 you know that that phrase, you can't handle the truth. Well, the minutia um, is what um, is what's important. Uh, but here's the bottom line. Things don't need to be embellished or or otherwise hyped up. They're bad enough, and I'll just leave it at that. So, um, yeah, let's. But it's important because what we're seeing here at the root of everything is just an attack on our Christianity, on our beliefs, on our system of uh, an attack on God, and and that's what this is all about. So, um, I just kind of want to really drive that point home. But it's. I'm going to defer, just defer to you. Go ahead. Well,
2: we, we got a lot of emails about this subject today. And, uh, uh, Kevin, I want to thank you and a few others for uh, updating us on the situation. But it was reported today on Infowars that by Tommy Robinson's personal representative that he, last night he was transferred to a maximum security prison in England with over a 71% Muslim population rate, which they say is almost a certain death sentence and there are, uh, his videos have been, some of his videos have been removed from YouTube, specifically one that says you know, I won't be here much longer where he talked about the active attempts to uh, get to this conclusion where he is in jail and, uh, he is in danger and this isn't the first time that he has been in jail, but they uh, seem to be really really uh trying to take him out, so the question is if something happens to him in prison, what will happen in the u k if that does take place? There's a lot of talk about that. Some people see riots, um, rebellion, maybe even revolution I, i'm I'm reading a number of things, but people are obviously a lot say a lot more than they're willing to do when when push comes to shove.
3: But it's a dangerous situation. situation. There's gonna be,
1: I think push will come to shove and I think there will be, uh, riots and rebellion. Um look, the FBI right now is about, this headlining on Liberty uh, Daily, the FBI is about to make excuses, new excuses for the sham investigation into the, into Hillary's email, uh, email gate scandal. Uh, we're about to see some, big-time CYA moves, I think. You're looking at, uh, you're also seeing Rod Rosenstein, very conflicted Rod Rosenstein, um, talking about double-mindedness, but uh, reporting on, uh, in the Washington Examiner right now, uh, an article by James Gagliano posted today. Just very quickly, certain uh, certain current and former members of the FBI and Department of Justice They're steering themselves, or I'm sorry, are stealing themselves for Thursday's anticipated release of the IG's report. The report is rumored to be a scathing rebuke of decision making in the Hillary Clinton private email uh, server investigation. Watch how these people are are positioning themselves now. Uh, For example, you've got central figures like Loretta Lynch, former AG, uh, fired FBI and uh, disgraced FBI director James Comey. Are included and um it's it's our understanding, and the Washington examiner's putting this out that President Donald Trump is scheduled to receive a briefing on the reports and findings ahead of its release, and we're looking for that tomorrow, so we we're not going to spend any time on it but uh uh tonight but uh we're we're going to have a lot to say on it as the week uh, as the week progresses and then,
2: you know the questions are how redacted will it be, how much influence did the d o j have on what is redacted or what comes out? And uh, I want to talk about this. I posted this on Hagman Report earlier today, and Peter sent a link to this also. Uh, Fox News. Lawmaker blasts FBI's highly questionable redactions to Strauch page text messages. A key lawmaker is seeing red all over the black ink being spilled by the FBI redacting text messages between two FBI officials involved in the Bureau's probe of Hillary Clinton's email Server. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who chairs the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, fired off a pointed letter last week to FBI Director Ray, objecting to what he called excessive redaction of documents that he claimed were hindering his committee's oversight role. And that's a very interesting story, so uh you can go to Hagman Report or go to Fox News and check that report out. But how much information will come out? What, uh, if anything new, will we learn? And I think the most interesting part of that are, uh, the criminal referrals. How, how deep will they go? And will it be
1: deep enough? I don't think they will. Uh, there's no way. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, you, we've, we've got John Huber out there, of course, as the prosecutor. I, I'm anxious for this because it, uh, what happens, and I'll just ask you, what happens if nothing happens? is there enough testosterone uh do we have enough courage to enact change ourselves and and by that i mean um are we going are we, are we are we just going to roll over if if this is just nothing but uh i don't even want to use the word nothing burger but that comes to mind if this doesn't go anywhere are we going to accept this and if if we choose not to accept it what do we do because I, I simply I look I don't want to talk about this I want to see justice enforced justice delayed of course is justice denied but I want to see, I do want to see criminal referrals made I want to see people answerable account- held accountable to the criminal activities including but not limited to both Obama and Clinton and Lynch and Comey and everyone else and you know what it's amazing Joe that that we don't see the yeah you know, it's not amazing it's I guess it's par for the course but you're not hearing it. Yet. It's, how, how much? How much time is ABC, NBC, MSNBC, or no, the other hardly ones? any? Yeah, it's so. Are people out there? There, there are people out there who are frustrated, and I believe that. I believe that there's, there will be a flashpoint. There will be a point in time that you're going to have to make a decision. I think all of us are going to have to make a decision. When well, we it
2: should on? make for uh, an interesting rest of the week with this report coming out tomorrow, and uh, a lot of people. I mean, you're going to see. Immediately, I think, you know, some news organizations probably already have pre-written headlines uh, to frame the report the way that they want uh, their readers to see it. So it's going to be important that you at least go to sources who are going to report it straight because obviously the media is going to do their best to, to uh, hide the importance and the significance of some of the findings in there and downplay any of the criminal referrals or, uh, the conspiracy to keep Hillary Clinton out of jail—they're gonna, if not completely ignore that, avoid that uh, altogether. So I, this is one area where I would not trust the mainstream media in any way, shape, or form to for any part of of these reports. Um, maybe it's better to listen to them after you already understand what the report says, so you can see through uh, you know their their BS. But I want to cover this too in the last minute we have here. There was a piece of media that came out of the North Korean summit with President Trump where Jim Acosta was yelling at Kim Jong-un and President Trump, and Laura Loomer had put out a video today, leaked audio, Acosta caught on Hot mic saying that he is going to yell at the president because he's not allowed inside the secretive meeting, and this is about a 30-second audio where he explains, yeah, well, if they're not letting me in the, the uh, effing meeting, that's what happens. That's right. I'll yell all day long. Uh, I'm certainly, it's certainly all right to ask him a question. That's the way it goes, baby. That's the uh, transcript of this video. No, that's class, isn't it? Yeah. I just wanted to, to point that out. But one more thing on the North Korea, uh, summit that we do need to talk about in further detail is the North Korean human rights abuses. This is not going, there is not going to be, I don't see how you're going to have successful negotiations, maybe denuclearization is goal one. If that's the case, then the human rights abuses need to be goal two. Sure, sure. And it's not going to, I mean, I don't see how this is going to work long term if North Korea is not willing well, to. Uh,
1: you know, I don't know if it, it has to work well, long term, though.
2: That brings up another question. Are we the world's policemen? I mean, the people who have a problem with it, Are you guys the same people who uh, have problems with the U.S. getting involved in foreign entanglements uh, without purpose? Good question. We have to ask how far we're willing to go in this, but that's a conversation for another time. When we come back, Stuart Rhodes from Oath Keepers will be our guest, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report.
1: This is the Hagman Report. I want to welcome a very special guest. Uh, and as a matter of fact, we spent some time with uh, with this gentleman in Canton, Ohio, recently. It was back in April. And his organization is a, just a fantastic organization. I'm talking about Stuart Rhodes. He is the man behind Oath Keepers, OathKeepers.org. That's the website, OathKeepers.org, the Oathkeepers Keepers organization. Honor your oath. And join Oath Keepers. And Stuart Rhodes again, Stuart Rhodes again is the man behind Oath Keepers. And I cannot say enough good about Stuart Rhodes. Knowing the man, a man of integrity, a man of uh, great character, and a man who really cares about this nation. Before we cut to uh, Stuart, I just want to give a very, very, very special shout out. David, thanks for listening. And, And Morgan, Morgan, you're getting old. Happy 27th birthday, Morgan, who's, uh, uh, David's daughter. We, we, we want to wish Morgan the very best, of course, on her, on her birthday as well. Uh, she's got a, a brand new baby, Grayson, but happy birthday, Morgan and, uh, David, you done good and, and Morgan, you're doing great. So anyway, Joe, I'm going to kick it to you.
2: We have with us Stuart Rhodes from oathkeepers.org. And he is uh, traveling right now. And, Stuart, I want to bring you on and let you come in. And uh, I don't know where you want to start today. I know you're down there, and you're down in Arizona. And you have a a few things we want to talk about. One, there was a a shooting, uh, apparently, involving a BLM agent or a Border Patrol agent uh, that we're going to talk about.
4: border Border Patrol agent was shot yesterday morning down near the border.
1: Okay. Uh, well, Mr. Rhodes, I'll tell you what, this is your time, and being respectful of your time, uh, you can triage the events, uh, whatever you want to talk about first, and however you want to uh, play this out. So uh, we appreciate okay. your, your gracious gift of time. What's going on?
4: Well, we came <clears throat> we came down here. We have members already in Tucson. We have two retired law enforcement officers, um, Ron Thompson and and also Bob Houston, both from 25-30 year uh law enforcement veterans who also are in the Arizona Board of Defenders who've been down on the border for ten years. And so when the Veterans On Patrol outreach group first found the site in Tucson that they alleged was a child trip uh suspected child trafficking site, um, we looked at the same footage, the one shot by by Craig Sawyer. We all saw the same footage and uh, we had the same initial response that Craig Sawyer did that does look suspicious. You know, you got straps on the trees that could use to people. You have know, a very bizarre looking underground um, shelter that may have a large tank flipped on side and buried in the earth with a very small opening. an adult would have a difficult time crawling through. And so, you know, based in part on, on Craig Soar's initial, initial uh, assessment and also based on an assessment of a uh, local paramedic in Tucson who was in the army He, he served two years on the border, um, inserting, installing seismic detectors and and constructing watchtowers when the DOD was doing work with the Border Patrol back in 2008 and 2009. And, you know, he had extensive experience down the border and then also as a paramedic. He's been in and out of homeless camps and, and migrant camps, um, illegal alien camps all over the Tucson area. And he said the same thing. <clears throat> it's an unusual shelter to be built out of a water tank like that, which is so small and, and, and cramped, no airflow, and so small and be difficult for an adult to get in and out. And so it raised his suspicion about uh, his red flags as well. And our local law enforcement guys, you know, Ron Thompson and, and, and Bob Houston, had the same initial reaction. So that's why we decided to go ahead and we issued a call to action um, based on that. And we have our guys down here investigating, and we focus this as an independent investigation. That's something a lot of people don't understand. Like I had a I had an email um, SGT reports and clarify, we're not working with with uh, Lewis Arthur and Veterans on Patrol as a partnership. We're not aligned with them. We're simply coming down here as independent investigators. That's what we've been doing like the last six days, and interviewing okay. witnesses, looking at these the items that that uh veterans on patrol took out of the site back to their base. We followed like, photographed it, blogged it. And and then also yesterday morning, um, one of our senior law enforcement officers, Ron Thompson, gave them a class on how to you know how to handle the property, you know properly. If you come across suspected evidence or suspected, suspected crime scene, you know, what are what are you supposed to be doing to not contaminate the evidence? Um you shouldn't touch it, you shouldn't put your foot down next to it, you know, things like that and Give right. them a little bit of a class. So that's our posture: is that we're letting our cops do what they do best and just go through and do their own independent investigation. Because there was enough there for us to be concerned, but we're not making any conclusions at this time. So, so at this point, we're just staying neutral. And we look at the police reports, the same ones that Craig that Craig Sora did, and we're going going to talk to everybody we can, including the police and the other the other people who uh, had given statements to the police. So that's
3: where we're at with that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Craig, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, Stuart, uh, I've got, uh, I've got copies of the police reports. There were, uh, based on everything I've been able to determine, just in a nutshell, uh, nine reports filed. The Tucson police were there eight different times, 20 officers, including command, uh, level officers there. Um, uh, beginning on um, uh, May 29th, I believe, at uh, 8.58. And yes, yes, the initial reports were disturbing. And so you're down there, essentially, you're down there just to make an assessment and act in a supporting capacity as well as teach.
4: Well, um, we're, right? we're there to, we're not there in a supporting capacity. Uh, we're there to do an independent investigation. Or oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Now, if, okay. if they we did tell them if they come across something and they want, you know, a couple of retired cops to come down and look at it, then they they, should, they can call us. Um, if they want the situation where the police do not respond or refuse to respond, then of course our guys will go look. Um but they're not gonna you know, same thing. They're not gonna touch it, they're gonna preserve it and uh encourage the police to come down and look at it. Okay. Um we do have some questions about whether or not there were things were done, you know, what what with the forensics what has been done with forensics and so that's one of the question marks we have. But I'm letting them do their job. Our cops are going to just go through it one step at a time and just just be sure that things were properly done and to take away any questions.
1: Fantastic, and and you're just the guy. You're just the team, I think, to do that Um, because uh, handling evidence is something you you don't you don't want to screw up uh, and you don't want to screw with evidence, and it's extremely important. Right. So and unfortunately, you
4: know they. Because they didn't know what they're doing, you know, they, they touched everything, and there are multiple people handling it, and so it's utility in a, in a case would be almost almost nil. Unfortunately, this is reality, you know. So we, we hope that we can, um, and we'll put up some we put up some written advice, and we'll like, maybe do a video we'll put up online or part of the class just to give everyone out there um, a little bit more of a, a professional know how as far as what to do and what not to do in a potential crime scene. And,
1: and you know what? That's the beauty of oath, oath keepers. I, am I am I mistaken in this? Because uh, this be, being part of Oath Keepers, of course, um, that uh, the, I mean, what what a learning experience people can have by joining and, and being part of Oath Keepers, correct?
4: Oh, absolutely, that's one of their obligations is to train people. Absolutely, is cross train them. Um, but you know, even with, if you're not involved with Oath Keepers, if you're in a group that is going to be out doing, you know, say border operations then, uh, by all means, contact our our, um, retired cops and and they'll they'll be happy to give you a class. Same thing. How do you handle potential evidence in a potential crime scene? They'd be happy to do that. Because we don't want to see, you know, one thing we don't want to see is uh, is people with uh, good intentions um, unintentionally screw up the the evidence in a crime, you know, in a crime scene. So we don't want to see that.
3: Um, Yeah, that was... uh, They're
4: being assisted... Oh, go ahead.
2: No, I I just want to say that was one of the first things I know uh, people noticed was uh, with this story, you have, uh, you know, and, and these, the, you had the two parts. One of it when the camp was discovered, and then you had when the, you know, skull or, or remains were found. Uh, there were, you sure. know, people were all over that stuff. Even the skull. And, and I could not believe it. You know, I saw a picture, a video of it on its side, and then a picture of it upright. And I'm like, who's messing with this stuff? Who, who in their mind is touching this stuff? And it, it's really frustrating.
4: It is. And that's what that's our cops at the same assessment. They're like, oh my God. So the guy kicked it out of the trail to make sure it was easier to find. And that's what, that's what flag tape is for. You know, hang some flag tape on a tree or something. You don't, you don't touch it. You don't kick it into the trail. And like you said, then you, you don't touch it any further and you don't put your foot down next to it. It's just, just all those things are wrong. But that just comes out of not knowing any better. You know, they're, they're well intentioned people. These are hard working people that, that really go out there in the heat. You know, and, and bust their butts to to, to help veterans. So they're they're good they're good people. The volunteers that we talk to are very sincere um, and well intentioned people. They just need to be better trained.
2: Well, and I want to ask you this too, because one of the the things about this site was asked why didn't uh, you know why well, why was publicity brought on it instead? Why not? Obviously, when you bring the publicity on onto something like this, if this was what people are claiming it was, nobody in their right mind would ever come back to this site. So would it have been better? To, to try to set like a trap, you know, to to see what goes on there, before you bring the uh, publicity to it, uh, and that's just another angle that we we haven't talked about. But you know, the whole situation is very odd, and it, it leaves a. Uh, I think there's some elements of of disinformation, possibly, to discredit, uh, you know, the alternative and other media that covers this kind of thing. But I don't I don't know. I mean, you're down there on the ground, and I want to interested to see what what your findings are. Uh, but it's very yeah. it's a very strange situation.
4: Well, I, we still, you know, I, could, I don't want to speak for Bob and Ron, but they still have questions about what is going on. There's enough there that their experienced noses are kind of twitching. You know, that They're wondering about, you know, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of balls in the air that they haven't had answers to. So they're going to take it one step at a time until until they're satisfied. And that's what, you know, I issued a statement in response to the STT reports, um, you know, video, and I said, look, I'm going to let them take the time. They're not going to go one way or the other. They're not going to leap, you know, they're not going to get our hair on fire and and declare that it's this or that it's not that. We're just going to say we're going to take it one step at a time, let them do their jobs as detectives. And they've got experienced homicide detectives, uh, people across the country in our work that have done, you know, many different homicide investigations and and have put uh, child predators behind bars. And so we're going to rely on them to work as a team, and, and we're not going to let pressure either way influence them. They're insulated from that. I'm not going to let it, let it happen.
1: Yeah, pr- pressure in, from any direction, including but not limited to social media, and, and we appreciate. Oh, yeah. it, like the, you know, yeah, we appreciate you, you doing. Yeah. that. yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So, but, but just to be clear,
4: yeah. we're not working with him. We're not working with with uh, Lewis Arthur. We're not aligned with Veterans on Patrol. We are just simply interviewing his people, looking at what he alleges as evidence, and then we're also going to talk to everybody else, including the cops. So, people shouldn't read into it too much if we're down at the voters on patrols uh, Bravo base um talking to people. That's what we should be doing
2: uh Stuart. I want to kind of switch gears here i I heard on the radio on the way into the studio that the Republican members of Congress were putting together or trying to put together legislation uh, on the dreamers to to make their their stay more permanent how do you what what grade would you give i I guess uh we see what President Trump has tried to do with illegal immigration. And we see what how the media reacts and whatnot. What what grade would you give uh the president and uh Congress in the what we're seeing with the legal, legal immigration situation, especially with all this talk now about children in cages and separation from parents?
4: Uh right. I think he I visited the ranch that where the uh Boy Patrol officer was shot, unfortunately, um that same ranch, I was there the night before talking to Mr. and Mrs. Chilton. About the border uh, situation down there, being another keeper from Arizona, uh, Kate Hilton, who's been a you know a 12-year border activist, we went to the ranch to talk to them, get an assessment, and it was a pretty grim assessment. They pulled a map out and showed us how there's 24 miles of his ranch on the border with only a, a uh, just a simple barbed wire fence, and how he has offered the U.S. government private land, he uses forward operating bases for the border patrol and they've never taken him up on it. Instead they drive all the way in from Tucson um, to do their shift. So by the time they get down there, they don't have a whole lot of time to do much for them to go back. And so he's just very frustrated and and, and of course, you know, the Obama administration was completely hostile. But even now he's being stymied by, you know, the uh, you've got the National Park Service and and you've got all the environmental groups, you know, trying to argue that no one can put a wall in because it will hurt the environment, except on the, on the wildlife preserve they have no problem putting the wall up because they don't want the traffic through the wildlife preserve. So it's just, you know, which one is it? Either, either you think a wall is going to hurt the environment or, you, or you're using a wall to protect the environment. So just a lot of those kind of political games have been going on for, all, for all, the, all these years, and it's pretty frustrating for everyone in Arizona because they see it right in their own backyard. We've got a, a member who lives like five miles from the border, and just the other night, you know, nine illegals jumped into a, a white van on her property, and she called the border patrol. Got no response. She called the sheriff department. Got no response. And so, it's just you know, par for the court.
3: Yeah, this it's case here
4: overwhelmed, or they become apathetic.
2: This Pardon? case that you're, you're talking about here, this uh, Jim Chilton, this rancher, uh, this is crazy. Right. When I when I read this, because this guy has the property on the on the border. And on the American side. But the Sinaloa drug cartel has has taken miles of, of this ranch in US territory because of the lack of enforcement here. And this Border Patrol agent was ambushed and shot on this guy, Jim Chilton's property. Was do we know who was the shooting who carried out the shooting? Do they have they labeled the cartel as the
4: uh perpetrator? not to our knowledge. We 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 what we hear it was rifle rounds. Um we don't know. All we're hearing is, you know, Casco, kind of but But, uh, luckily he was wearing rifle plates on chest and back, and he was struck multiple times on chest and back, but survived. And, uh, but he was out there by himself, you know? So, and I just had a conversation with the Children that night before about, because when we drove in, we're driving down these little winding roads up and down hills, and it's like thick shrubs on both sides, thick brush and oftentimes hills on both sides. And thing person across my mind as a you know infantry veteran is, is, this is a perfect ambush place. This is extremely vulnerable. And we talked about that, about how vulnerable these, these war patrol agents are out there. And I told them, I said, they should be partnered up with the U.S. military because they got rip crews out there. Rip crew is a group of, of cartel people that go and rip off other cartels' um, mule trains, ones that are carrying drugs. And they'll go with a, like a squad-sized element of guys with AKs, you know, select-fire AKs. And they'll go rip off, like pirates rip off the other cartels and get in gunfights and they kill each other out in the desert. And so that's possibly what this agent bumped into. Not sure, but that's the suspicion is that he bumped into a rip crew. Um, he was out trying to track. So that's, just, that's what we're hearing. And I'm, that's not confirmed though. But regardless, um, what should happen is I don't think President Trump is doing all he can do. You know, I really don't think he is. But he, what he can do is as commander in chief, uh, he should just, declare a national emergency, um, both for national security and also a humanitarian crisis. I mean, you've got thousands of deaths out there in the desert of these legal aliens, you know, dying of thirst or being killed by the cartels. You've got the cartels murdering, murdering each other and murdering innocent, innocent witnesses out there in the desert as they rip each other off. And you've got systemic rape going on, you know, the rape trees everyone's heard about. Where they just systematically raped the In fact, there was a picture that Chilton showed me of one couple where the wife had been raped—you know, gang raped all night—in front of the husband who was held at gunpoint and forced to watch. And then the border patrol was able to rescue them and, and take good care of them. But this has been going on for years, so are, it's, are it's we, once we... a humanitarian crisis, but also a national security crisis.
1: Uh, not that this matters, but are we talking about an American citizen-American couple? Well, no,
4: it's a legal alien, but,
3: but okay, her okay. point
4: was is that this is what's being done. And, you know, oh, Her point was, was this. The pro-open borders people are always whining about how this is a humanitarian crisis, that we shouldn't be enforcing our immigration laws. And her point was, when you don't enforce the immigration laws, all you're doing is helping the, the coyotes who victimize these people, and all you're doing is helping the cartels. Victimize these people who bring across sex slaves to be sold into sex slavery inside the United States, for example. But you only help, you're not helping these people at all by making the border, you know, wide open and letting the cartels, you know, take it over. That's helping anybody. They're, they're only being victimized by the cartels and the cartels coyotes. And the cartel charges six, $7,000 a head, when uh, they come across. And oftentimes they'll use it as bait and let the border patrol catch them to divert the border patrol while they bring in the drugs someplace else. So, wow. so, so the answer is, is: is the president should just just use the U.S. military, um, seal the border with a wall of troops, build the wall, have the Army Corps of Engineers build it as a national security effort. I mean, we've been in, we've been on the friggin' DMZ in Korea now for how long? Seventy years. You know, we have mm-hmm. troops on the border. Oh, that border is secure, sealed up as tight as a drum with our troops on it. Why is it that we do that for South Korea to keep North Korea out? We can't do that for our own border. Makes no sense. So I think Trump yeah. should just, uh, rather than waiting on Congress, just take initiative as commander in chief to get
1: it done. Boy, w- w- words of wisdom for Washington and, and, and for the Democratic Socialists who, as you pointed out, uh, you know, apparently don't quite understand it's a humanitarian crisis without that enforcement. So thank you for pointing that out.
4: Yeah, well, they, they know. It's their big picture. It's much like what happens in Europe. They don't really care about these people. They're just using them as, as their can of fodder. You know?
2: Yeah. And you uh, know, one of the things uh, I heard today, one of the, the left leaning lawmakers, left wing lawmakers screaming about, you know, we need to this is for the children and on and on and on, you know, come to look into him a little bit and the guy's one of the biggest uh, pro abortion proponents out there. So it, it, to me it's so hypocritical and it's so phony that, that so many of these, you know, planned parenthood mouthpieces are, are saying, Oh, what about the children? What about the children? But you're right, Stuart. It is a national security issue and it needs to be addressed as such. And I mean, it's mind boggling to think that the issue of border security and enforcement, uh, is somehow, uh, you know, hateful towards a population. It's just mind boggling to see how far we've fallen uh, with this ideology being promoted.
4: Yeah, and the Border Patrol agents themselves, I mean, they should be paired up with a fire team of Marines or, or Army um, infantry or National Guardsmen. You can ride along with them. They wouldn't be enforcing the law, leave that up to the Border Patrol agent, but they'd be there to watch and make sure he's not murdered. And that's what's necessary. I mean, basically, a, it's its a good bad zone down there, you
2: know? Anything on the National Guard troops that were deployed uh, months ago? I mean, are they... Uh, active down there? Or are they, or is their mission accomplished? What, what's their status?
4: Well, there was only like, what, 5,000 deployed? That's a drop in the bucket. So, we need to take this as seriously as we do the DMZ in Korea, like I said, or, or the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan. You know? We shouldn't have more troops in Korea or in Afghanistan than we do on our own border. We should just make, take it the same, take it the same kind of seriousness.
3: It's well, more important, true. frankly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We we only have about 5 minutes left of our visit together. By the way, Stuart Rhodes uh had this, such a pleasure to interview and speak with and spend time with him in Canton, Ohio at Occupy 2018 conference. I would urge anyone, you know, anyone who wants to uh, there's a lot of people out there saying, what can I do to help? Well, uh support join oathkeepers oathkeepers.org. Uh Stuart uh You've got the remaining uh, few minutes we have left. Whatever you want to speak on, talk on. Please feel free.
4: We have a webinar coming up tomorrow night. And folks, go to our websites now. There's now an announcement and a way for you to go join it. It's just free. It's just a free webinar. You can register and watch tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to have that panel of our experienced police officers from Arizona and from other parts of the country on. Um, and also, um, one of our local, one of our local members who lives near the border will jump on and, you know, give, give, uh, her two cents as well from being a resident, and seeing it firsthand. So it will discuss somewhat the two cents situation, uh, but also that bigger picture issue, of the border itself, what they've seen over the years and what can be done, you know, and kind of drill down into the reality of what's going on in the border and, uh, what we recommend the president do about it.
3: Well, it'll be interesting so if we to see.
4: To
2: yeah absolutely and and oathkeepers dot org is the website uh arizona after arizona we uh what what other events do you have upcoming anything you want to promote i know we uh we got to meet you in uh Ohio just but now a few months ago uh but you got anything else on the horizon
4: well we're putting together we are trying to put together training groups in each state and we're hoping that with the situation with the schools um we've unveiled some some training advice that we' giving out to schools. We're having a symposium in Tucson uh, in September. No, wait a minute. I believe it's in uh, September. I believe it's in September um, on the school issue and trying to get our people to plug in with the local school districts and help train people, help train the teachers. So look for that. We'll be doing an initiative. Um, same, kind of, same kind of solution, actually, though, as, as the president really should, uh, rely on us, the, the veterans, you know, retired police officers and veterans, he can call us up as a militia. We would encourage him to do the same thing and use us if he has to. So he, there's a lot he can do. And Aaron Vieira wrote a really good article about that. It's on our website about how the president can call us the people up as the militia, starting with us experienced, you know, veterans and then use us, train, train the others, train the teachers, train the staff to uh, be armed so they can take care of the kids the same way they do in Israel. That's the answer. So it's really kind of weird that it's somehow okay in Israel for armed teachers to be taking care of the kids, but here we can't do that. It makes no sense.
1: Absolutely. A a wealth of knowledge, by the way, at OathKeepers.org. And and there on the front page, OathKeepers.org, don't forget, invitation to OathKeepers webinar tomorrow, that's Thursday, uh, for 9 p.m. Eastern, We'll excuse our audience to to uh attend that. So, Stuart, we're out of time. I want to say thank you so much for everything you do and have done and continue to do. We really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, thank you. God bless you guys. And we do uh, we do have people as members who are not for our service come on as an associate and it's our all.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right, bro.
2: Yeah. I. I we still have him there. Stuart, so you, you, you got cut off there when you were talking about the associates. Um, people okay, who no want to come on who are not uh, active service members or former service members can join as associates of Oath Keepers. So go to OathKeepers.org and become a member. Get involved. And follow them at Oathkeepers on Twitter. Uh, thank you, Stuart. You have a, a great evening. Thanks for your time.
4: Thank you too. God bless.
1: Incredible guy. Uh, I just, we, we, we think a lot of, uh, Stuart Rhodes, um, having met him and Joe, you and I spent some time with him and sitting on the couch next to him and, and really kind of talking, getting in, in, into his, into his head. And
2: did we ever do anything with those interviews?
1: Uh, we've got, we've, in fact, we, no, but we have it, uh, so it's actually in post-production. How's that? I forgot about those. It's, uh, you know, it, that was a great time with him. A lot yeah. of good information shared. But a webinar tomorrow with the Oath Keepers. And as we go out, just again, hey, David, thank you. A good friend of the program. I just want to say happy birthday. The Hagman Report wishes a very happy birthday to Morgan, 27 years old today. Also, we wish Morgan the very best with her new baby, Grayson. David, you've done great. And, uh, Morgan, you're doing great. Happy birthday, Morgan. Thanks, David. Hagman Report, we be right back. This is the Hagman Report for today. It's Wednesday, June 13th, 2018. Yeah, how fast? I mean, June's almost halfway over, my goodness. Uh, I want to welcome, just take a moment here to welcome a brand new sponsor, FilterEasy.com, FilterEasy.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com on the right-hand side, you'll see a, a, a link to filter easy. I want to welcome you and welcome filter easy as sponsors to our program um it's it's one of the best services by the way that i've i've found if you have and i know you do either a uh, furnace or a air conditioner an hvac system heating ventilation system you need a filter you need filters you, you know the the hey guys you know the filters out there you forget to change right if you're like me um that's not really high up on my priority list until, well, the furnace might stop working or the the air conditioner gets gummed up. It's because of your filter. Go to filtereasy.com and use promo code Hagman, and, and you'll have um, your filters uh, shipped to you directly to you. It, it's a it's a wonderful service. I just want to welcome. I just want to take this opportunity and just say welcome. FilterEasy.com to to the uh, Hagman Report and folks extend them a gracious welcome as well and visit FilterEasy.com and put in the promo code Hagman H-A-G-M-A-N-N for a just a fantastic savings your first month free FilterEasy.com promo code Hagman
2: We have with us uh, from the Gateway Pundit and JoeHoff.com guest Joe Hoff Brother of Jim Hoft, and one of our favorite websites is The Gateway Pundit, and uh, Alicia Powell now writes for them as well, and they they are on the cutting edge of uh, the what's really going on in this country. From you know following this whole conspiracy against Donald Trump from the top levels of the uh, law enforcement agencies in this country, the DOJ and the FBI. To, I see they got stuff here about uh, Tommy Robinson, what we talked about earlier. Tommy Robinson receiving death threats in new UK prison. Imam Ima places hit on Tommy Robinson, and also a lawmaker has, uh, an American congressman has jumped in to say free Tommy Robinson, among other things. He said, but
1: and, and you know what, Joe? I, I in addition to the Gateway Pundit and that stuff covered. Joe Hoft is one, like one of my favorite writers. Okay, if you go to joehoft.com, in addition to Gateway Pundit. This guy is... Well, he's been on before. We had a blast the last time he was on, didn't we? I mean, it was yeah. just a great time. The Audience feedback was just fantastic. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
2: Well, let's bring it. you on. Joe, it's great to have you back on the show.
0: Uh, great, guys. Thanks. Yeah, good morning.
1: Good morning. Yeah. So what is it, like 4 o'clock in the morning over there? Or I mean, I... I, I
0: We're I, actually 12 hours ahead of you guys, so it's... uh eight o'clock oh, here right.
3: on thursday morning yeah well so i've already what.
0: seen the ig report and
1: uh <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> well just just tell me what the lottery numbers are you know that, that's all <laughs> yeah. i'm still yeah. trying to figure out how that works but uh well it's, 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 it's great to have you back on um it, it really is and um you've written some very interesting pieces i man, i could spend a couple of days asking you questions uh from yeah, I mean here here it is what is it day 510 of the Donald, Donald Trump presidency yeah. he's he's been under attack for the last what 393 uh-huh. days i think uh-huh. by by well this is day one yeah um uh-huh. now you you wrote a piece on on, on com about uh Alexander Downer spygate uh-huh. And of course, you know we could uh-huh. talk, uh, man, Spygate and, and and ObamaGate and the attack on Donald Trump. I mean, so much to so much to talk about. But where do you, sir? Where would you like to start specifically uh, in this triage? Yeah, well, triaging?
0: yeah, well, that's a great question. Uh, thanks, guys, and thanks for having me again. I'm happy to be here. Um, and uh, maybe for your listeners, uh, yeah, my my twin brother, as Jim calls us, my. Identical twin brother uh, Jim is the Gateway pundit, and he started that uh, website in the early 2000s, and has uh, just had incredible success. Has received various awards, and really has uh, been a uh, in the forefront of the internet. You know, like you guys are as well. So um, that success that he's had has just been uh, profound to watch. And and over the last few years, I uh, from afar has started writing. Uh, and wrote some posts for him and had some success and, uh, right away. So that kind of got me hooked and, uh, and, uh, been writing for him now, um, when I can, uh, usually try to do something once a day for him, some sort of post, uh, from, and, and the nice thing, uh, uh I guess that I have is the advantage is that I'm in Hong Kong. So while you guys are sleeping, I can, uh, be writing or, or have something ready for Jim in the morning. So that quite often is how it works out. I'm able to, put some time into a post and uh, and get it lined up before you know before you guys wake up so that's worked out really well and jim's uh um you know allowed me to to write and encouraged me to write even and uh, we've had some real success uh, combined as well so so it's a pleasure you, you, to be here
1: yeah you guys you know you and uh you and your brother both and again gateway pundit just you've done some so much fantastic work and uh, I consider you to be one of one of the premier um, true news sites on the internet. So you and Jim both, uh, such a great yeah. job. Yeah, you know, really,
0: I agree. Thank, you. yeah, thanks so much. Um, and I agree. Um, you know, that was why Jim started this uh, blog of his. I didn't even know what the word blog meant when he started it, and I uh, and, uh, really had you know had no following. But it diligently, as his typical success story it was just uh, day after day. Every day, uh, consistently, um, did the right thing, and that was right. And he wrote various stories, probably more of an international focus at first, and then I've uh, got more and more kind of into the polit- U.S. political atmosphere, and uh, and uh, got a lot of accolades. He- he had a trip to, uh, Israel, uh, maybe almost 10 years ago now that it was, it was thrilling for him. He, they flew him over there, a group that liked what he was doing. And it was a small group that they flew over. One of the other individuals was Andrew Breitbart and Jim met Breitbart at that trip and, uh, they built a relationship. And, and so that's kind of who Jim is. He was one of the real kind of beginning, uh, you know, founders of, uh, the movement, uh, on the right. Uh, to try to take back the media, which was, it's so corrupt, it still is. And, you know, Trump today even tweeted about it, and I see. Um, so, um, yeah, that's kind of how things got going for him. I've been really, uh, privileged to watch it, uh, up close over these years. But, um, so I guess I've mentioned that. Um, so where, where should we start today? I guess maybe, maybe one thing I could mention is, um, as Jim has succeeded and as it's gotten more popularity and people come to his site, the, um, his, you know, his, his, his volume has grown. And, and there's, as you guys know, there's, uh, there's money in uh, web ads and, and, um, and so it's become profitable at, at some point too. Suddenly it was like, kaboom, this thing really took off and it really took off in the election. And Jim and I both, uh, you know, we talk every day and, um, sometimes multiple times a day and um you know mostly about you know what's in the news and, and and we both fell in love with uh donald j trump right away there was something uh unique exciting and honest and uh just uh magical about this guy uh when compared to these other politicians um he was honest and he spoke from the heart and he uh um, really uh really had the messages that that we we loved right away and uh so Jim jumped on that trump train uh, you know as well as myself and uh and I, that was really, to his uh good fortune because Trump was the eventual leader and winner so uh, but it, ironically too, I could say that the thing that probably captured our interest first off. And that really grabbed me and Jim. I think was just the fact that he started calling the media dishonest um, from the start. I can remember an interview he had with one of these outfits. I think it was NBC, uh, Katie Turr, and he said to her, and he put her on the spot, and I loved that too. But but he said, you know, I had great press before I was up uh, you know, when I was in business, but now that I got into politics, you guys are nothing but a bunch of liars. This is this is just disgusting. So that really, uh, Jim could relate. Uh, so that was what really kind of grabbed us on Trump. I, any thoughts on that? I, I imagine you're, you're, you know, you guys were the same way. Y-
1: exactly, <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, I had a conversation today with uh, with a construction worker uh, here at the studio and he pretty much said the same thing you just said okay with respect to uh president trump he said I, I am so thankful that uh he was elected he's he's like one of us and we can relate to him it seems like you know even though he doesn't maybe doesn't have the uh diplomatic statesman filters uh you know necess- <laughs> necessarily okay he he talks like like us and he we can relate to him and then yeah and then the conversation graduated to uh well where do you get your news and exactly what you said you know the media is so dishonest and, and so that's why i think um you know people look at the gateway pundit for example as really a premier news site you want information Man, that's where to go, and you—you mm. you, you guys yeah. aren't afraid, but, but you're paying a heavy price for that too, and, and I know that. Mm. And I, you know the censorship well, and the, yeah.
0: Well, there you go, and and the lies again from the media. I mean, if you're standing up to them, you're going to get hammered, just like anybody stands up to this FBI today. They're just, you know, you're at your own peril. Um, it's really amazing to the election, watching how uh... the left, uh... the socials and the left. uh... these so these big websites like facebook and twitter uh... have uh... have um... uh... done all they can uh... to prevent that current conservative message from being shared and, and there's a lot of press on that you will know, there's going to be more on that next week i'll just give you a heads up and i'll just tell you that there's going to be more on this subject next week keep your eyes open it's going to be some big news on in that
1: topic and uh... Yeah. So just, okay, uh, whet whistle again? That, but it, but but no 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 no. no, 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 no I, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold you to this. Okay, what, what should yeah. we look for? Because uh, tell me again, well, what should we? Well, I, I think
0: people are becoming uh, people are becoming more aware of how the uh, left is manipulating the media, and as that awareness grows, um there's going to be uh hopefully, I guess, hopefully in the long run. There'll be some action against these uh, socials. So, for example, let me let me share a, a couple things about Jim and maybe the growth of the business, and maybe the evolution um, of the Gateway pundit. Uh, the thing that that uh, naturally kind of happened as time as he grew and as his stories became more and more important, and he was he was setting the news. And at times, I really feel like Jim is doing that. You can go to the Gateway pundit, and then you can go over to Fox but I Five hours or a day later, and you will see these same stories in the news there. And, um, that's kind of how he is, he's, he's changing the narrative and have, and it's amazing that, you know, to watch this one person, uh, really do that. He's got a team now that works for him, but, um, um as he grew, other websites, you know, were linking to him and linked to his stories, and, um, the ultimate prize was the Drudge Report. And um so if you get the drudge to link to you, it just floods uh your website with uh with tremendous volume. And um you've got to have a website that can handle it. First of all, Jim I uh, used to be so frustrated at times with his IT guy because the uh site would crash and burn because he just was getting too much volume. Uh especially when he'd get a drudge link. So he's got that all figured
3: out it's,
1: I, I remember those early and starting more days. Links. Yeah, those early days were rough when you got, and, and that was when bandwidth yeah. was really expensive too, you know, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, true. So he, he, you know, but he got his site, uh, you know, set up that now it's, it's no problem. And, uh, but that's kind of the mother of all, I think it's the mother of all news. I mean, I saw uh, some comparison between websites the other day on the net, drudges. Um, it's one of the biggest, not in my opinion, probably the biggest website on, about news because it's only news. It's not like MSN or Google or uh, these other sites that they have served, or Facebook uh, that serve various other purposes. Um, Drudge is just you know a conveyor of various. It, it, he just links to various posts through you know throughout the world. And if you get a link from him, that's big. And uh, so what happened uh, before the election was Drudge was also on the Trump train. You can tell it. And, uh, we, you know, we all were. It was either the Trump train or Hillary. And, and Hillary was, uh, you know, death to this nation and it really uh, destruction to the world. I mean, that sounds, you know, brash or loud, but it's, I, I, you know, we, there's a lot of us, I think, that believe that because anyway, it was more of the same, it was more obama with hillary and, and the world did not need that and um so Jim got a lot of drudge links, and that was kind of like the 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 you know the holy reaching the holy grail every time you get a drudge link. so and that's what happened to me earlier and I'd written a post for Jim that all of a sudden Drudge grabbed and put on the top, and I was thrilled. And that's when I started kind of writing for him more on a more regularly, uh, on a even daily basis, especially before the election. And we can, we had some more stories that made it to Drudge. Jim had a number of stories that were being linked to our Drudge at that time, and um, so that really helped Jim's volume. But in addition to that, his stories were being shared on Twitter and Facebook and uh, other places as well. But um, after the election. There was a couple studies out there by Harvard and Columbia EU and they both said, uh, hey, uh, we see Hillary lost because of fake news. They call, and then they classified fake news as Breitbart and Gateway Pundit and a couple other entities. And they, and they've gone on the attack and they just basically have done all they can to curtail any sharing of these posts uh, that Jim has. So Twitter does it and Facebook. They just, they just block or stop uh, the sharing of any, uh, of any of his information the um the um for example with facebook he had 30 percent of his volume before the election coming from facebook people share the story and link to it and take a look at it and now since then it's down to like three percent so um that's a big that's big news um and certainly something has to be done about that and uh and um,
1: I, I suspect you maybe know, you know just from what you said earlier. I I suspect maybe uh, there might be some offensive moves to, to combat this uh, censorship. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, again, I you know I, no. I don't know you know.
0: But yeah, people on the right are trying. You know, you're doing all you can to freaking stand up to these guys. They're just like big bullies. They're you know they're just like to me the way the FBI is now. So we you know it's enough. You know it's like. This is, uh, you know, we've either got free speech or we don't. And right now, you see it in the UK with that Tommy Robinson case, and around the world. If you know, if you stand up and you say, "Hey, I like Trump," you're, you're criticized, uh, you're shut down, you're slammed. You can't even talk at universities now. Um, and um, I think that's a big deal. I think we all think that's a real big deal. If we lose our, if we lose our ability of free speech, then you know, what, what's the difference between us and China or any of these other? Yeah, entities that are just you know damning towards free speech. So, um, so that's a big deal. That's coming
1: down. Well, we're, were there? Uh, I mean, we're there now? And it's, um, it it, it affects us monetarily. Obviously, it, it affects us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the words not get the words not getting out. Um, and and NewsBusters dot org has a great report
2: on censorship. That and the more detailed report details sites like yours, mm-hmm. the Gateway Pundit, and others. In the drop-off in, in mm. Facebook numbers after a certain date, and it's just such a dramatic. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's, a it's algorithms or or targeting. Yeah. but Either way, it's this obviously. is a fight. It's, We're just at the beginning of. You
0: no, know, it's a joke. Yeah, it is, and um, you know, we need to stand up for free speech. I see there's something going down. An agent Um, the guy is his Pi as, high as that last name. The guy gets yep. uh, over the. Uh, um, what is he? The communications commissioner or something. Right. He's got. Um, yeah, they've got a tough job. You know, and it's funny. Obama set up that law, and they always did this. Obama, they, and the left always does this. They lie, even in their laws, like the Affordable Care Act, calling Obamacare that. I mean, what a joke that was. It was nothing, nothing but the opposite of that. And they did something similar with the Internet. They said the uh, you know, free Internet law, where it was just basically, we're going to enable uh, the ability to just basically shut down anybody that we don't like. And had Hillary won, that's where we'd be today. You know, we probably, anybody that'd be trying to share a message, uh, of the truth about who this, you know, skunk Clinton really is, um, you know, would be shut down. You might even be facing jail time, you know, it'd be, you know, we'd be, there'd be examples made of people like that, you know, to intimidate, to fear and to coerce and, and to try to rule. And it's amazing that, that, there are groups today that support these uh fascists call like Antifa, etc. call the free speech conservatives fascists. It's just again the total opposite. So um real uh this is this is a real issue. It's probably gonna go on, probably been going on forever and probably will continue to go on. Um but um Yeah uh, you I, know, certainly some expected uh the Gateway that for sure.
1: Well, you know what happens, uh, Joe. What happens when our when our voices are silenced, as they're being silenced right now? It, really, we're being painted into a corner, backed into a corner, um, and, and I'm I'm thinking this is not going to end well. Uh, uh, am I wrong no, in this? It's not. You know?
0: No, I, absolutely. It's, it's uh, you know, the, you can only imagine. I mean. Uh, I mean, really, the only reason China's so prosperous today is because the uh, Duping took over after Mao and he, he changed, you know, he changed the policies there. Uh, he could see that China was just, you know, dirt poor, dirt, literally dirt poor. I've I married a uh, Chinese girl and her grandfather died of starvation. And I found that. And I was like, my God, he had three daughters and I, I, I presume rather than uh, eat himself, he probably gave the money to his little girls and um and he had eventually died and oh. that's that's where that's that's uh communism and that's what you get with the uh, lack of free speech with the, the inability to stand up and say this isn't right and so um they changed because they saw how prosperous the us is if if we lose the us you know then we're in a real pickle the whole world you know it's scary to me and uh yeah so it you know we we really need to stand up do all we can to Stand up for freedom and for the U.S. And again, that kind of leads us back to Donald Trump and where he's at um, and why we, you know, supported him. The one we thought he'd win. I don't think anybody else could have beaten Hillary Clinton. I really don't. I, I'm, you know, it's shocking that he did. I, they thought, they thought they were going to win. I think they had it, you know, wrapped up. Trump had to win huge to win. I, I just think there's so much voter fraud and there's, you know. So much going on that we don't even know about. Um, and by the way, I guess I'm here's the other comment related to that. I think that the conservative movement is much, much bigger than they want to they want to tell us. They do not want us to know how absolutely we are the we are the the majority Americans with common sense. And they don't want us to know that. They manipulate the news and things like that. And we saw this before the election. So this was one of our posts that we put up. We put up a prediction um, about um, Trump winning. But we based that on just social media in part. Trump was crushing Hillary in Facebook, crushing in Facebook likes and tweets and followers. At YouTube, it was massive. Trump was getting like 50,000 people per event, watching it. He he's doing five events a day. At the end. Hillary was getting like 5,000 people. If our well, media well, Joe, the, the, those are
1: Russian bots for crying out loud. Don't oh. forget. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, isn't
0: <laughs> it? Yeah, and, but you know, you know, that argument, too, is just so disgusting, isn't it? Because we know that freaking Hillary owns the media. They were pushing her day and night. They were just trying to destroy Trump. There was massive efforts to destroy him, and yet he won. And, you know, the opposite was true. There was no Russian bot, and we can talk about that in a moment here, about that Mueller's case with the uh, Russians. But um, the facts are that Hillary had, if there was any abuse of the media, it was totally Hillary in this left-wing, massive, uh, grotesquely, in inaccurate and dishonest media that was pushing her, that we, we all saw it, and yeah, now we're supposed to think Russia? You know what? What a twisted, dishon- another dishonest make-believe story. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it, it's so, really. Um, uh, it was really something, and I was just talking <laughs> off-air to that feeling uh, right before the election, not knowing who was going to win, and the possibility mm-hmm. of Hillary Clinton being president. And that anticipation yeah. for that election, and the relief once yeah. we found out Donald oh, Trump gonna boy, win. Boy, win. Boy, you, 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 was going to you, win But
1: you were leading yeah. the, the way enough. though
0: well thanks, well, we predicted Trump in big part because of the socials now you can't do that today because the socials are so contaminated and they've done such a had such efforts to destroy the conservative message, but I'd bet you money that if they if they let go of their algorithms. Donald Trump would be getting millions of retweets on his, on his post, uh, his tweets, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, just millions. And, uh, we're not seeing that they're, they're curtailing even, even the president. <laughs> they, um, we would be blown away at the amount of volume. The conservatives would be getting, if it wasn't for these, uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter, uh, you know, doing all they can to, sh- you know, not share that conservative message. So, um, pretty amazing times so those were uh so i guess i was going to mention so leading up to the election jim was getting a lot of drudge links we had a lot of big stories he had a lot of big stories uh, that were hitting the drudge report um and uh and since then as well and that was maybe kind of a segue into uh some of the stories that i've written for jim that have gotten some drudge links um mainly about the economy um so over the last year and a half, these 500 days or whatever, um, the economic results—and you guys know this—but are just they're just astounding. They're just absolutely shockingly, astoundingly good. Just as stunning as this event here in uh, Singapore this past week, a couple of days ago. And we should chat about that if we have a few minutes moments too. But anyways, I would write about these stories. I've written about how his first hundred days, Trump decreased the debt. It was down. It was down $100 billion at one time. Nobody's sharing that. I was. T- I wrote about the uh, stock market being up like 17% since the election. Nobody was sharing that. And then Trump, after I did a post that was linked to by the Drudge Report, he the next day tweeted, you know, stock market up 17% since the election. Nobody would know. Nobody's writing about this. And I'm, I, Jim and I laugh. I go, God, it takes a guy in freaking Hong Kong to point this stuff out. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> nobody in the U.S. – is writing about it. It's just amazing, uh, all the success we've had. And I've had a number of links to Drudge just because of that. Big stories. Um, So a more recent one was this, uh, when Trump reached 500 days. And I wrote about, you know, just the various, uh, you know, things that have occurred since Trump took over. The stock market's on fire. Unemployment's down to record lows. Uh, jobs are way up. That, that one statistic, more jobs available than there are people uh, you know, unemployed now. I mean, this, the country's never seen that before. The stock market last year in 2017 was the greatest stock market rally in a single year ever. The stock market went up, the Dow, went up more points last year than any other year in history. It had, it was, since the election, up through January, there was 99 new all-time highs. <laughs> In 2017, Trump set the record for most new all-time highs, daily all-time highs. And our media, you know, nobody's reporting. Our media is silent on this. And this is, this is really significant, incredible stuff that they just keep quiet. We can't talk about how great Trump's doing you know, and we got, you know, we were getting drudge links on these stories. And um, uh, it's really just not just good what Trump's doing. It's like calling this thing, of course, just good. It's not just good. It's 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 stunning. It's unbelievable. What, what's it's, what's it's the, miraculous?
1: What's the perception? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know what the perception is here from in the States. Uh, but but, yeah. the, but but what's the perception from where you're at uh, in Hong Kong? Well, uh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, good question, and I, I want to you know um, the, the unfortunate thing over here is it's just the media is just so slanted. There isn't even a there's no you know you, I've got you can ask for Fox News, but you know it's hard to get that information. People are gonna have to, we gotta teach keep telling people go to the internet, look up Drudge, look up Gateway Pundit. Go to these places to get your real information. Go to the Hagman Report. You know, get the real information there because you're not getting it, uh, you know, on TV or in the newsprint, et cetera. So that's the challenging thing. The news is, you know, so manipulated, and that really, uh, you know, if it's not for people like myself speaking out sometimes, I just wonder if anything will be, uh, you know, shared. Um, So in that regard, uh, the message was, was stuffed. But on the other hand, I've talked to uh, individuals in Korea, and uh, when this thing first came out, they were ecstatic. They were shocked. They were like, oh my God, this is so good. The media, I think, done a damning job of trying to downplay what happened. So, so that's uh, kind of curtailed some of these thoughts. But I think everybody and anybody, uh, you know, it's a shame our media wasn't honest because really we would have woken up to a, you know, it would have been a celebration you know, around the world. Yeah. And we're not getting that. Instead, instead, we got these, you know, jerks in the media questioning whether it's really, you know, it's just crap. You know, it's just not even true. So. Well,
2: well, when we're talking about censorship and all this stuff, if we can, your opinions on this whole Tommy Robinson situation in the U.K., we've seen that yeah. it's being reported he was moved to a maximum security prison with a 71% mm-hmm. Muslim population. Where they yeah. were banging on the walls and and uh, you know making death threats against him, how do you see this situation playing uh, out? And if something happens to him, what's going to happen in London?
0: Well, there you go. Well, oh yeah, there you go. And I hope people finally stand up, and it'd be really really sad if somebody has to give his life for people to finally stand up. Um, but uh, I'll tell you this, um, yeah, this this poor guy has been standing up. He's been. Uh, very vocal about what's happening to his country, and uh, pointing out all the crimes committed by these individuals that are being brought into the country that aren't vetted, et cetera. So, you know, very similar story to the U.S. But he's he's vocal, and nobody over there else is vocal. And uh, and uh, you know, good for him, but God bless him too. He needs our prayers. I can tell you this: I've got some guys in my office that are from the U.K., and I spoke with one. He didn't even know what was going on. Wow. he didn't he didn't know anything about it, and uh, you yeah, know I don't know if he follows the news. Some people just do their daily lives and such. But you know I was mentioning he's like that's you know that's that's horrible. I can't believe it. You know this is this is your country. This is what they're doing. You know so um, hopefully more people are becoming aware of it. I saw that rally they had for him with uh, was it last and with the, the the individual from the, the Netherlands Wilders. Is that how you properly say his name? Um, is it yeah, Wielders, Keir- Wilders, Keir-
1: Wilders, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, he uh, they had a heck of a crowd there, that was really heartwarming to see that. I, uh, you know, what they've done to that guy is really horrible, and that's really for, you know the U.S. isn't too far from that. If we didn't have, god, if we had Hillary, just think where we'd be, we'd be right there, so um.
3: They need to
1: stand and up against this stuff. The the uh, Democratic Socialists, I I think sometimes believe Hillary is running things. At least they act that way. Oh, you know, yeah. it, it's crazy. The uh, yeah. the assault, uh, the assaults that we're taking, and, and the assaults against uh, you know, against Gateway Pundit, the assaults against uh, Jim dot mm-hmm. com and and us and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, wow. But yeah,
3: it's
0: there's a, yeah. There's well, a it's it's horrible. I could, uh, um, I guess, kind of in, in relation to uh, Singapore, as we jump back to that and what happened this week. As I was watching this, uh, and I was able to watch it live, you know, being on the same time zone, and um, I, you know, I was amazed. I was just so amazed. I was so, uh, you know, almost teary-eyed. Like this is so fantastic. What's going on here? But i got to tell you, I was watching, and I wrote about this as a gateway pundit, I'm watching the signing with Trump and uh, and uh, Kim, Kim Jong-un. And um, they're signing, and then right at the end, you know, all these people are taking care of you. They walked into this room to sit down and sign. It was really a historical moment. You know, a magical moment. A moment that will go down in history. You know, it, clearly, this was like Big. This was huge. As much as our media downplays it, it was huge. And Trump says a few things about how this is really you know better than we ever expected. And then and then uh, Kim Jong Un said you know thanks to the president. And then in the midst of all that, we had Jim Acosta from CNN blurt out. Did you ask him about Gert Wilder? Or not did you ask him about Otto Wombier? Yeah. And I just thought, oh my God. The the inappropriateness of that comment. Nobody else was shouting out any it was so disrespectful and so disgusting. I just I just was so upset by that.
3: There's
2: there's an audio, Joe, that came out today that uh, this was all planned, that got Acosta on a hot mic saying, hey, if they're not going to let me into the effing meeting, that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, And so he planned to do this.
0: Yeah, well, he was, uh, yeah, it's like nobody else was invited in the meeting. Acosta, what are you talking about? That guy should be kicked out. He is so disgusting. Unless maybe Trump wants him there so people can realize how disgusting the left-wing media is. That was so disrespectful. I think back to my days in school growing up. If you would have done something like that in a school assembly, you'd, uh, you'd been in a lot of trouble. You might have been kicked out of school. I mean, it's just to blurt out anything, let alone something like that. It was so inappropriate. And like Jim Acosta cares about uh, the Wombeer family. Like, he even cares. I mean, did he say anything when Obama had that guy... He was over there for a year while Obama was president and did nothing. did he? Does he even care? I mean, it was just so disgusting on so many levels. I was really, really yet taken aback by that. So that was that was maybe a more personal note, but um, I think overall the mood is just wow. People are wowed, blown away.
3: And you made and a good point. Know. Maybe maybe
2: Acosta is being kept there to show uh, the ridiculousness of CNN and the, these type of, of people and. Wolf Blitzer did a piece. The Washington Free Beacon put a video together. Uh, again, uh, Wolf Blitzer from CNN had to make a disclaimer saying, despite what the president says, we are not the enemy of the American people. We love them. Yeah. And just the fact that they have to continue yeah. to legitimize yeah. themselves by saying stuff like this yeah. tells you all you need to know. But they definitely are the, the enemy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And... um and yeah, Jim Acosta just I
3: just uh
1: just just really this guy he by he made, he yeah, he made uh really it it it, it all came down to it, it making it about Jim Acosta Jim Acosta making it about Jim Acosta and it's just it's it's oh, yeah. sad yeah. Have, have you ever seen the level of disrespect that, that this president mm-hmm. must endure i mean you no know, uh. you
0: no know, we saw it with we saw we saw brutal negativity with bush right it was just brutal and 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 again i think i uh, yeah, i personally thought bush was uh a good man trying to do the best he could bush did not know and it's funny jim and i were talking about this last night bush did not have the ability to stand up for himself he did not know how to do it with the media and um and then Jim mentioned there was one of these websites at uh, one point. Late, his president said, "You know, it's just getting a little exhausting standing up for this guy who can't even stand up for himself."
3: <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: And uh, the media was bad, but That's it's nothing profound. like with Trump. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to
0: like with Trump.
1: I, I'd love to have like uh, I I'd love I I'd love to be on an extension line listening to you and Jim talk. Uh, <laughs> that would be an education. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that.
0: Well. Uh, uh, thanks. Yeah, I, I sometimes, yeah, we talk about a lot of stuff, but that, that's just so true. It's just so disgusting. Uh, our media today, it's just, and that's why we love Trump. You know, he right. keeps pointing it out. The more he points it out, you know, it's like if somebody wrote a great piece about a half year ago. This guy has got a uh, brilliant mind, and he's famous for another talk or two. But he wrote this piece about Trump and it was about him, Trump's relationship with the media. And um, I, I, I wrote about it, and I, and I follow the guy now. But he said, basically, Trump has pointing out how just totally biased the media is. They're just beyond, and, and they're just so nasty and negative. And, and this guy's thesis was, well, so the media is really facing a point now, and this was half a year, year ago now, where you can either change which means you're going to have to give a less biased narrative of what's going on. Or you can really, you know, dig your feet in and continue with what you're doing. And, and that's your option. And and the more they dig their feet in, the worse it gets for them. Because Trump continues to point out how biased they are, how negative they are. How you know just corrupt they are, and they freak out and rather than changing you know he's you know he's becoming an oracle because he's pointing out the obvious these guys are you know they're they're liars they're dishonest so it's actually been an amazing thing to watch it's almost maybe it I don't, you know trump's trump's a sharp guy, but uh i it's just kind of you know that's it they either change or or continue what you're doing and just continue to look, you know, to be to be clearly obvious that you're, you know, that you're dishonest, and that's been their choice today. And so Trump keeps winning. You
3: know, yes, he's
0: winning that war.
1: You know. Well, exactly. Now, uh, speaking of winning the war, you know, I, I think we're going to see a battle as we um, as as we see the OIG report coming uh you've written extensively you and jim both have written extensively about uh spygate obama gate whatever you want to call it
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, what do you see w- w- uh, I got to ask you uh what, mm-hmm. what do you see about the uh with the oig report coming tomorrow uh, apparently mm. what's your wh- yeah. what's your prediction on this uh yeah
0: well you know and this was uh, we talked about this last time um that I was on and it was like is the uh Inspector General, the IG, is he a is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? And there's reasons to believe either. Um, the IG was appointed by Obama. Uh, he was worked with Comey years ago. He's, um, um, you know, he he obviously didn't point out and write a report that says, "Hey, Holder's a liar, Comey's a liar, Obama's a liar, Lynch is a liar." when he was inspector general during the Obama years. Um, So, although maybe some, you know, so anyways, that's the evidence that maybe the guy's not going to be on the up and up. But then other people have pointed out a couple things to and I I mentioned this last time we talked, that the IG uh, was uh, curtailed by Holder, that they changed the rules, that they didn't have to give the IG uh, the information that he requested anymore.
3: Yeah,
1: that that, that was my um, understanding, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to. Say, I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this investigation has yeah. been going on. Well,
3: and, and, he get a fair,
0: you know. So we, yeah, we got, we got, you know, we got some, uh, you know, an indication with that McCabe report. But also, if you read the McCabe report, you see that McCabe was being thrown under the bus by the DOJ. It looked like he, they were setting him up to be the fall guy. I see McCabe now suing the DOJ and FBI. That could turn into a real mud, mud, mud fight. I mean, because when you read the McCabe report, you see that there was this going back between the DOJ and FBI almost. she did a good job with McCabe Trump should stand up and just say, hey, I'm going to release the unredacted report, you know, and just release yeah. it to the American people. I hope well, he I mean, does. Because,
2: I don't understand that the, you know, how they can redact so much. And why is the IG giving the report to the DOJ, the same DOJ that was involved yeah. in keeping Hillary out of jail, involved yeah. in the conspiracy against Trump, allowing them to, to yeah. weigh in on content?
0: Yeah, to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. But see, this is the, I can kind of speak from... Uh, Experience. This is this is uh, I think standard practice. So when you write a report like that, you give all people uh, that are if if it's for the if it's for the Department of Justice, for example, you would give the head of the Department of Justice a chance to review it and and to ascertain if there's anything in there they want to change or fix. And he's doing that too with people that are possibly uh, their attorneys. uh So I guess people probably like McCabe, their attorneys are given a chance to respond. But, and he inserted some of that, like in the McCabe report, he inserted some of those attorneys' comments. But, you know, you read them, and you're like, well, this doesn't, you know, what a joke. So um that's kind of standard practice, and I think that's why it's being, it's being done this way. But the, what's not standard practice is to see a Department of Justice do all they can to curtail the truth should not be transparent to stand up against the american people to hide crimes and to commit crime you know that's what we've i don't know if we've ever seen before not to this extent at all so we'll see what happens tomorrow i think it's going to be you know it's just more of a picture that's coming out that's getting more mainstream that these guys are a bunch of crooks and everybody everybody knew hillary was a crook Right. and more and more they're going to know
1: Obama was. so. But you wrote Anyways, at, yeah. at, at, at joehoft.com uh, by the way folks mm-hmm. Joe Hoft is our guest joehoft.com uh, and he writes for the Gateway Pundit Jim Hoft is his uh, twin brother but you wrote um, about Downer uh, it being involved in the sale of Australian uranium to the same Russian company that purchased uranium one uh, how can I mean at some point, this is like trying to drink from a fire hose. Um, the, 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 this stuff that you, that you and Jim are writing about—my goodness, mm. people need to pay mm. attention to this. Um, yeah,
0: it's amazing. Here's the guy Downer who comes out and is the guy who, who threw Papadopoulos under the bus. We think we don't really know who knows anymore. But that was the that was the story that Papadopoulos. Uh, out having a couple beers and drinks with the ambassador to, from Australia to the UK somehow says that he's aware that Hillary's, uh, uh, emails are being, that Russia has Hillary's email. Um, and then that somehow makes it back to the FBI and into their reports. We don't know how it got back to the FBI. It may not have gone in regular channels. And I think that's one of the big questions that's out there. But this, but this ambassador to Australia, then we find out. You know, since then, well, this guy, he signed a check that gave $25 million to the Clinton Foundation for, from Australia. He also was at the signing uh, a year or so before that, where uh, he signed over Australian rights to uranium to the Russian company Rosatom, who happens to be the same, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a government-owned entity, that... that Purchased the uranium one that the Clintons were involved with in with Obama, and the Clinton Foundation got what 146 million after that was done. So, um, what the heck's going on here? This guy's involved with the Clinton Foundation, with with the Russian uranium uh, government government owned entity, and he's involved in the Trump you know this conspiracy scandal you know, made up fraudulent story that Trump's involved with Russia. You know, what you know, what's going on here? You start piecing this stuff together, you're like, holy smokes. What is you know, what's going on? So yeah, we uh yeah, we we wrote about that, you know, a week or so ago. And every day there's something. There was another piece we wrote about um which which came out about a week ago. The Senate released five hundred pages of uh Strzok and Page text messages that hadn't been re- that had been released prior but but were redacted by the by the DOJ. Well the Senate released them but didn't have some of the stuff redacted. And what was in that piece was that struck and Page in one of these uh text messages says so refers to something and it's uh it's almost like a, a Latin term. Um
3: Lures. Lures. That, yeah. 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 And
0: that was what was redacted. And that's what people were, were – um, let me pull up uh, – I guess I don't have that, that post in front of me. But but it was redacted previously, and then the Senate, when it came out, it wasn't redacted. And somebody said, you know what that is? That's spies. Exactly. strock saying we've, we've got multiple – and it was multiple within the wording, too – multiple spies in the U.K., you know, related to this Trump um, scandal. And this was was happening, as I recall, back in maybe late 2015.
1: Correct. You are um, absolutely correct, yes. Can can you believe that? I mean, uh, (laughs) you can't even make this stuff up.
3: Man.
0: No, they're so corrupt. They had stuff going on. They had a strategy to get at Trump. Here's one thing. You know, they kept saying, no. you know, they knew there was something special about Trump. They were worried about Trump, or they wouldn't have done this. So that's one thought that kind of hit me. Hmm. These guys knew Trump was the guy. As much as they tried to destroy him, and the media tried to destroy him, and then never Trumpers tried to destroy him, maybe to some people it's pretty obvious this guy might freaking win the uh, Republican nomination. And so they started the strategy to you know to destroy Trump, and as early as 2015. And then they had spies, and I, that's the story that people believe happened: that they inserted these spies into the Trump campaign, that uh, they somehow uh, shared information with this Papadopoulos that oh Russia's got Hillary's emails, and then Papadopoulos gets drunk. He's like a young twenty, late twenty-year-old kid with the ambassador of Australia. It says, well, you know, Russia's got the. I've heard Russia has their emails. And then that's how they set up the Trump campaign as far as Trump's connections to Russia. I mean, that's it. But that is how sneaky and sinister these people were, too, that they would insert people into the campaign in that regard.
1: Sponsored by Obama? By the way. By the way. Go ahead, Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, by the way, the thing that uh, I've noted, too, is that... Papadopoulos and Carter Page and these people that are all involved in this UK crap, you know, related to the spies. But we don't know who the spies are. We believe there's a guy by the name of Halper who's a spy. But, you know, that's the word that's on the street. It's all over the internet. Right. not breaking any news there. But for some reason people don't want to bring up his name. I don't know on the mainstream, but everybody knows who he is. Anyways, he uh, has known ties to the CIA. And they believe he, and he, he has all sorts of now emails that are being uncovered and connections that these people he was trying to talk to, including Papadopoulos, including Carter Page, these people that are really right in the middle of it. And the only, the only people that have been, you know, really have anything to do with Russia and the Trump campaign. But um, what's unique about these individuals is that they were all part of this. Foreign security team that was thrown together, and that the chairman of the Trump campaign overseeing that team was Jeff Sessions. You know what I mean? Wow, the okay. Jeff Sessions who's the Attorney General today. So that's the thing that kind of grabbed me, huh? The people that are that are you know. That that have really been damning towards Trump, even though the whole thing's a joke. But sure. the media tried to make a big deal out of it. They they were all brought into the campaign by Sessions. What you know? And so here's a thought that I threw on the table in a post over the weekend: Did Sessions excuse himself? Not because of, and this is just a question, and and it, I you know I don't know the answer. But did he recuse himself? Not because he met with a Russian, you know, at a at a party or at a, some sort of campaign event where fifty you know thousand people were there or whatever. Did he recuse himself because of something else that he's not telling us? Was he involved with bringing these guys into the campaign? We we do believe that because he was the chairman over their committee. So. What sort of relationship did 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 Sessions have with these guys? And was there some sort of more sinister, you know, motive that Sessions had even at that time? Because we've certainly seen that Sessions is not somebody who's upholding the law. And and he was on uh, TV last night where he spoke about. Was it last night? He spoke about the. um, Oh yeah, Rosenstein. These guys have done nothing wrong. They've done nothing but try to get information to Congress. That's an, uh, that's an obvious lie. That is not the truth. These guys are not yeah. getting information to Congress. And so no, they're threatening now, Congress. And, and he's so, he's doing nothing. You know, he's been damaging, he's damaged this country more than anybody, more than anybody in the United States. Jeff Sessions has damaged this country because he's not doing his job. I mean, today we should see Hillary behind bars. We shouldn't see this crap with the president. And where are the where are the indictments on the Hillary team? Why are we, they you. not being brought to? Why are they not being brought to justice? You know, so it's kind of you, isn't that interesting?
3: There's you a know something
0: between Sessions and these guys.
1: I, I got to tell you something, mm-hmm. Joe. I, I did not see your article until yesterday. I got about three or four emails from people who said, yeah, yeah. "Did you you know? Did you see what uh, Joe Hoff wrote?" And when I read what you had written, and folks, that's at joehoff dot com, uh, as you you know the the House Intel Committee report on Russia, uh, hidden in issue number twenty seven, uh, did you find? I mean, did you find that? I mean, because I am asking. You know. Well, I mean, you
0: know, we we we, I, I found, I I found some information on the internet that somebody had, somebody had released it, and we and then I wrote about it. And I was the first and only person to write about it. And the very next day, Trump tweeted it. And I said, Jim, Trump tweeted my story because I've seen this happen before. And, and sure enough, the next day, one of these negative, nasty uh, left-wing websites says, oh, look at Trump. He tweeted this story, and it's based on the Gateway Pundit. So they validated what I felt, what I, I felt and, and somewhat new, but ours was the only story out there on there. That they try to slam Trump and us by, by minimizing us, making fun of us, and, and therefore the, the president's, you know, a dummy. You know, it's, it's just so nasty. Rather than just, how yep. about looking into the story and try to rebut it? They don't do that. Never. It's just they just can't.
1: Man, I, you know, I, I, I so, sent your article out to a number of people because I had not picked okay. up on that. You know, you were the yeah. only one that, that I saw that picked up on that, Joe, and i got to yeah. tell you, man, what a, what well, a isn't fantastic... isn't that something,
0: though? Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks, and isn't that isn't that something, though, that all these people were under session?
3: Isn't
2: that something? Yes, yeah, it is, man. and we, we have our own problems with Jeff Sessions, and, uh, you know, the, obviously the inaction speaks louder than than anything else he does, and and you oh. have to scratch your head and ask why. But, Joe, oh. we are out of time. I want yeah. to thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. JoeHoff.com is the website. and thank you. JoeHoff on Twitter. Also, TheGatewayPundit.com. It went by quickly. God bless you, my friend. Stay safe it. out there.
0: Thanks so thanks much. Enjoyed it. Okay, bye-bye. All right, brother.
2: Bye-bye. When we come back, we are going to be joined by our weekly Hour 3 slot with Pastor David Langford of The Voice of Evangelists, and we're going to... Uh, the voice of evangelism dot com and we 're going to talk with him uh, for uh, and about what 's happening on the spiritual side of things don 't go anywhere we 'll be right back and welcome back to our third and final hour on this wednesday july july june thirteenth two thousand and eighteen edition of the hagman report. We have with us our guest, Pastor David Langford of TheVoiceOfEvangelism.com. He joins us each Wednesday in our number three uh, to talk about whatever is on his mind and on his heart. Pastor Langford, it's great to have you back on the show.
5: It's good to be back with you gentlemen tonight.
2: Yeah, we uh, have a lot going on since the last time we, we've spoken to you. and uh, right. It's a uh, uh, crazy world. Sorry? No, it's a, it's a crazy world, Pastor Langford. We, uh, we are in some interesting times. We had the summit with, with, uh, President Trump in North Korea and all the media surrounding that. We were talking about Tommy Robinson tonight as well. Uh, what's on your mind?
5: Well, uh, just want to tell the people we were in Dallas last week. That's why we weren't able to be with you guys. So we went down to, uh, end time ministries with brother Baxter and his great staff, uh, dear brother Alan Marcotte, um, Marcotte, excuse me. Staff that are very, very gracious people. We did some uh, television recording, uh, radio program. Then we had a couple business meetings uh, looking into a platform where we cannot be thrown off like we can with YouTube. And I believe God is uh, helping us uh, to to get some doors opened for that purpose because, um, you know, there's there's coming, I'm going to talk about Daniel's 70th week tonight, but. I don't know how much time we have, but Trump is doing so much in such a positive manner, such a positive way, that if the door is ever closed on him and Christianity will be shut down quickly, you will see grave persecution come upon the church as never before, which will ultimately cause a lot of lukewarm, indifferent Christians to quit serving god because they're not being ministered to in a way that would make them to be strong i was just thinking today about the coming of the lord you know when i was a guy a kid growing up um so many ministers and ministries preached on the second coming of christ uh they preached in a manner that would uh provoke the people to 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 get closer to god uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24:44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Uh, Matthew 25:13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We're told consistently throughout the Scriptures, Luke 21:28, When these things shall begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. But if you look at the nominal ministry today, TV ministry, radio ministry, they're not preaching the coming of Christ. They're preaching prosperity. They're preaching a super hyper grace that you can live any way you want to live and in sin and still be deemed a child of God. When Paul the Apostle is absolutely clear in First Corinthians 6, 9, he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes into a litany of sins, and he he names those sins. Uh, Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor effeminate, uh, that's limp-wristed people, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But he says, now you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God." But that kind of preaching, of course, is uh, not popular, it's not politically correct, it's not palatable, so they won't say those things, and what they're doing, they're helping to foster a tepidness, an indifference, a lukewarmness in the Church. Uh, I've said this before on your radio program. When I was a young preacher, I could not wait till the camp meetings uh, begin to take place, the old uh, revival atmosphere, good old gospel singing and music and fiery preaching, and I I was desirous that that man of God would preach in such a manner that it would dig me up personally, Uh, it would cut the limbs out from underneath me, it would step on my toes and force me uh, to have to want to get closer to God, but you know, that, that, that era, that style they would say, to, them, that's all gone. But I don't care what they say. When you preach God's Word, there's two things on God's Word. There's an anointing of the Holy Ghost, and then there is conviction, which is another manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Conviction comes from the Spirit of God. The word conviction simply means that God, through the Spirit of God, is convincing you that you're wrong. But he goes further than just convincing us that we're wrong. He's conveying to us as well, I have the answer. I can minister to you, I can redeem you. I don't want to just convince you that you're wrong. I want to get you out of your wrong condition, out of your wrong state. And that's why in Romans two and four, Paul said not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know, it's a good thing to repent. But today, when you preach repentance, oh, that's hard preaching. That's ugly. Uh, that there's no love. There's no mercy. There's no grace. That's all repentance demonstrates is love, mercy, grace. You repent, and that's all you're going to receive from God is mercy, love, and grace. You don't repent. You're going to receive the wrath of God. So, uh, they, they preach such a hyper super grace. That they don't understand the way to that grace is through repentance asking God simply forgive me of my sins And, and and of course as I said the Holy Spirit he convinces us through conviction that hey you're not where you need to be and you're not in a right relationship with Christ so he leads us to get that relationship right so that when Jesus Christ does return We can go with him at the seventh trump, when the last trumpet sounds. There are seven of them in the book of Revelation. The last one is found in, uh, John talks about it in Revelation 10, verse 7, and then it is sounded in in chapter 11, verse 15. That's the last trump that Paul the Apostle spoke of in 1 Corinthians 15, because there are seven trumps. So if if a man is not right with God when the Lord returns, he's doomed and he's sentenced to eternal death. Separation, damnation from God. But God has made provision. That's why He sent His only begotten Son. Well, what I want to do tonight, Joe, I, I, want, to, I want to look at a, a passage of scripture that's been preached on uh, many, many years. Uh, most are have moved away from true Bible prophecy. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't even believe in the, the literal second coming of Jesus. Uh, They don't believe there's going to be a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. And at the end of that 1,000 years, Christ is going to renovate the earth. Revelation 21, 1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And it's at that point, John says in verse 2, And I saw new Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband that's that's the coming of this new jerusalem it's it's a city that's four square 1500 miles tall 1500 miles wide Uh, it has 12 gates has 12 foundations there's no need for the light for the lamb of god is the light therein and those who are are redeemed will get to enter into that city it even talks about the nations the nations of the world If those are godly, righteous nations, and and the Bible talks about uh, Proverbs 14, 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. So righteous nations will be able to go into that city, for it says in Revelation 21 and 26, And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, Neither whatsoever maketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that is the beginning of the 8th millennium, and we don't have a whole lot of Bible to uh, give us a lot of insight into that time frame, into that time period. Isaiah chapter, or chapter 65 and Isaiah chapter 66 gives us a measure of insight, but not a whole lot. But I want to look at Daniel uh, chapter 9, verse 24, says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. Again, everything is evolving around Jerusalem. Now, I know some listening tonight loathe that statement. They hate that statement, but Jerusalem is the only city where God put his name over it. When Christ returns, he's not coming to Washington, he's not coming to Moscow, he's not coming to uh, Taipei, Taiwan. He's coming to Jerusalem. And so the prophecy is directed at Israel, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, that's what Jesus did on the cross, to make reconciliation for iniquity, he reconciled us back to him, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, that has not happened yet, but it will happen, and to seal up the vision and prophesy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore, to build Jerusalem, Under the Messiah, the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. That is a combination of sixty-nine weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off. That's when Jesus was crucified, but not for Himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end there shall be with the flood and until the end of the war desolations are determined now i've had people want to tell me that both of these princes are the same but that's not accurate the first prince in verse 25 is the messiah the prince the second prince is a small p as in prince it's not capitalized This is a a dual-layered prophecy, Uh, actually Vespasian was the one that came and started attacking, assaulting Jerusalem. But the emperor died, he goes back to Rome to be be crowned, so he sends his son, Titus, and Titus goes, and uh, if you'll read Flavius Josephus, he's a great Jewish historian, Uh, he gives unfathomable insight. His dad, if I remember correctly, was a a temple priest, so he has a, he had a great Jewish understanding of what was going on. So it was Titus who actually came in and finished off the destruction of Jerusalem. Then here in verse twenty seven, Daniel nine twenty seven, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate or it will be utterly ruined so what do we see here in verse twenty seven we see there's going to be a covenant and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week now back in nineteen ninety Three, uh, Yikshot Rabin, Yasser Arafat were on the White House lawn. They were signing a treaty, a peace accord, better known as the Peace and Security Agreement. I don't know what the, the, the peace accord that Donald Trump is working on, what it will be named, but it will have a name. They name these treaties for a reason. And it's got to be something very, very close to peace and safety, peace and security. It'll be in that that mindset, in that terminology, because that's what they're all seeking, is peace. But they want an element of safety, tranquility, an element of placidity throughout the region. The he here is the Antichrist. Now, uh, most people today who teach Bible prophecy, which is error, will tell you that the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says he confirms the covenant with many for one week. Now, in 1993 on September the 11th on the White House lawn, there stood Yikshat Rabin, Yasser Arafat and Bill Clinton. Yasser Arafat and Yikshat Rabin were shaking hands. Those two men were making an agreement, a covenant, an accord between themselves, which represented many people. Uh, Doug, you'll remember this it was uh, if you're there. It was yes, sir. Uh, yeah it was it was Bill Clinton who stood there, and he had his arm, his left arm was over, if I remember correctly, uh, Yigshot Rabin, his right arm was over Yasser Arafat. I could be wrong which man was on his left and on his right. But what was Bill Clinton doing? He was confirming their covenant. He was confirming their agreement. What he was saying is, I'm here to reinforce, uh, and I, I don't remember all the details. That's been 25 years ago this September. It's hard to imagine a quarter century has passed since we witnessed something of this magnitude. As a matter of fact, Donald Trump is calling his peace plan the deal of the century, the deal of the century. So it's going to be, obviously, in his mind, off the charts, it's going to be an agreement that will be so powerful that for the most part, neither one of the parties will be able to turn it down. Um, They're going to give each one something that they know they just don't want to lose. Um, They would have been better off years ago to have settled with Yasser Arafat. Uh, he got 98% of what he wanted, but he still would not adhere to the agreement. Uh, he, he continued to break and breach the, the, the covenant, the, the accord. But they're going to do something, and, and there's a lot of speculation what they will do that will cause this to come to pass. Now, Jerry Kushner has already approached donor countries to dig deep into their pockets and I believe the reason behind that will be to help really modernize uh, Gaza and the Palestinians. Uh, Hamas, and by the way, Hamas in English is violence. So when you look up the word violence or violent, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it will be Khamas, C H A M S. It's spelled with the C, I would assume. The C is silent, but it's, it's Hamas. Uh, yet they want to advocate that they are a uh, peace-loving, adhering uh, faction of people. but their name, their name means violent and violence. and And we saw that uh, during the uh, opening of the embassy uh, some weeks ago. Uh, and, and I know we have all these uh, anti-Semitics who have great uh, hatred toward Israel. And I hear uh, many pundits uh, making statements, the Palestinian Christians, the the true Palestinian Christians, I've been over there, uh, they're they're, they're very small. Now, I'm not going to sit here and and embrace Catholics in the sense that they advocate this and this and this and this, and and they say, but I'm still a Christian just like you are. No, I'm a Protestant. and, 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 And we have a lot of convoluted Things being said and being done pure Christianity looks at only one person as the Savior of the world and that's none other than Jesus Christ there's no co-redemptor, there's nobody to pray to there's nobody to talk to Jesus said in John 6.44 no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up in the last day the only way to get to God the Father is through the Son Jesus Christ Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, if you're going to heaven, you're going to have to get there through my work on the cross. Nothing else has ever paid sin's debt. Nothing will re- redeem you but the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I was talking, I had my, my books, a shipment of books came in yesterday, and I was talking to the truck driver. And I said, you know, they all say, well, if you're Hindu, you're a Muslim, you're a Christian, you're a Roman Catholic, you're this or that, we're taking different routes. But we're all going to the same place. And I, and I looked at him, and I said, where would you say God is? And he just kind of pointed straight up in the air. I saw it straight up toward heaven. You stand in the city of Jerusalem, and you look up straight into heaven, it would also be a straight line, straight to heaven. Moscow, uh, uh, North Korea, South Korea, wherever you stand and you look straight up, that's the way to God. But they'll use this flimsy terminology, we're all taking different ways and methods, but we're going to the same place. When I stand in my front yard and look up, there's only one way straight up to heaven. That's, that's, that's who Christ, where he resides. That's where the, that's where the kingdom of God is. And so I just thought so simplistically how that we're all pointing in different directions, going different ways, but we're all going to end up there. If you go east and west, you won't end up north. If you go south, you're not going to end up north. And when I say north, I'm talking about straight up, horizontally up. So there's only one way into the kingdom of God. But they are they're making many, many ways, many, many paths, but there's only one path of righteousness, and the psalmist david spoke of that path in psalms 23 he asked god to lead him in the path of righteousness for his names sake any any other path is is wrong any other path is ungodly it's unrighteous but yet today we want to be politically correct so we embrace whatever path you're going down hey you'll get there just like me that is not true so uh, it's believed, and I'll share something here in a minute, it's believed that uh, Egypt and Saudi Arabia is very much involved in this. Now, the the, the new young Saudi prince, king, whatever you want to call him, uh, is really changing a lot of things. And whether we realize it or not, the Middle East is changing fast. Everything over there is changing. Some of it's for the better, some of it's for the worse. But it is changing quickly, and I believe it is setting up for the end times. Now, um, it is it is rumored, it is said that Trump is working on two solutions, a political su- solution for the Gaza Strip without Jerusalem. And then the other portion, the other part, is to create a new Palestinian leadership that would accept this solution. We don't know what the solution is. But that's what they're working on, and that's why you're not hearing anything about it. And I read today where Jared Kushner is keeping the lid on this like nobody ever before. I mean, he, he's, he's trying to keep it, uh, you know, closed down, but I've, I've got some information uh, where the negotiator on behalf of the Palestinian state, Mahmoud Abbas, not him, he's the, the leader, but this, um, I, I, I'm not sure, I know this is not right, but Sfe Irakit, he is the negotiating partner in this. Now, what they're trying to do is get a solution that makes everybody happy. That's going to be one of the most difficult things to do. But something will happen where they will all get what they want fundamentally and be able to work this out. Now, in, in November of 1995, when that young Israeli assassin shot and killed Yigshot Rabin, uh, John Paul was the Pope. He came to the funeral uh, in, in Jerusalem, and he went to Leah Rabin after the funeral and told her then that Jerusalem must become an internationalized city. It must become uh, the capital of three faiths, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. This is what they're working on. And what they're going to try to do is pacify the Muslims, the Jews, and the Christians. Now, this negotiator, on behalf of the Palestinians, uh, has claimed he has seen some of this uh, negotiation that that they're trying to advocate. Uh, I don't know whether he's actually seen it or not, but he's got 13 points that he's trying to accomplish, and we'll, we'll get to those in just a minute. But they're looking for a post-Mahmoud Abbas era. You know, sometimes people just can't be worked with, and of course Yasser Arafat was, and now it appears that Mahmoud Abbas just doesn't want to cooperate and work. So the Trump administration is looking for a more flexible partner. Mahmoud Abbas, I think, is 83 or 84 years old right now. And so that's, when I read that, I, it made me question how close we are. But it's going to happen. Uh, I, I can't say when specifically. I read today uh, this peace treaty is going to be pushed out now to August before they announce it. Don't know. That's just what I, I've heard and read. There are two Arab countries right now that are pressuring Abbas and Jordan's and, uh, king, Abdullah to accept Trump's yet-to-be-announced plan. You know, we don't know what it is. And then, as I said earlier, there are two countries behind the scene, which we believe are Saudi Arabia and Egypt, that are really trying to turn up the screws. And lately, you know, Israel has been working with Saudis, and the Saudis have been working with them. And there's been somewhat of a more friendly atmosphere, only for the sake of Iran, because... uh, if Iran gets their nuclear weapons, I believe, personally, they will use them, uh, and they will do that to take over the Middle East, and that may be what brings in the Third World War. You know, uh, supposedly Trump has got something worked out with uh, with uh, Kim Jong-un, and um, he says we, we can go to bed tonight and not worry about uh, a nuclear war. Well, I don't know how long that will last, because I was coming uh, back from Dallas Monday. I drove 15 hours to get home, I'm just a little bit tired still, but my point is I was listening to a, a something something on Fox on the satellite radio, and the phrase was used by someone, I don't even remember who it was, peace and safety. And it was evolving around and directed at North Korea and the Asian uh, countries. And it hit me very powerfully that when we quote from First Thessalonians 5, Paul but of the times and of the seasons, you have no need to write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief, ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of the darkness. So that's key. We're not to be of the night. We're not to be of the darkness. John three nineteen. Jesus said, "And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil." But Paul said, "When they say peace and safety, and that struck me, they may say that with North Korea, peace and safety." More times than not, we direct that though strictly um, at Israel and the Middle East, th- because that phrase "peace and safety" is found in First Thessalonians five and verse three. But I was listening to that, and it made me think a world war could break out anywhere, any place, any time, and that's when the other nations begin to make their move. Uh, and this is this is why you know, Japan, Russia, America, uh, Germany, Britain, everybody began to fight in World War II. It started out like that, but as it progressed, more and more and more and more nations got involved. Well, Jesus said to Matthew 24, 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, I can envision a third world war and and, there will be those who will disagree with that but it's all about timing but I can envision a third world war and then out of that ruinous heap you see the Antichrist arise and say you know I'm going to make sure everybody gets peace and and I'm going to make sure it's all like it needs to be or as I said it could be uh, after uh, or the third world war could come before uh, after the the peace process i don't know i think it could be either way before or after most people believe it will be uh, after but time will only tell in those in those matters but uh, as i said earlier israel and the Palestinians have been working on this for ever since i can remember i remember jimmy carter uh, having the meetings at camp david everybody's tried to get this peace deal Uh, Because, as Donald Trump said It will be the deal of the century And everybody would like to get that uh, little crown uh, jewel in their crown And say, I was the one that did it And, you know, with the way things are going with Trump It wouldn't surprise me
0: uh,
5: Because the Bible says in Proverbs 16 and 18 Pride goeth before destruction And a haughty spirit before a fall Now, we've all talked about Trump uh, Being a type of King Cyrus I don't care who you are it happened to Nebuchadnezzar. God had raised him up. God had made him a world power. But in his pride, his arrogancy, he became lifted up. And one day he came walking into his palace, and he looked across everything that he saw, and he said, you know what? I'm the guy that did all of this. I'm the guy that made all this come to fruition. But you know what? That's when God smote him. And and, and he, he, he he broke him down. He, he broke him down, literally drove him crazy. Uh, and, and he said, you know, I've built this kingdom by the might and by my power, my honor, my majesty, et cetera, et cetera. And then as soon as the word was in his mouth, the Bible says, the Spirit of God came on him and he became a, a crazy man, a a, a, a bizarre man. Uh, it said he was driven from men. He ate grass like an oxen his body became wet with the dew of heaven, and his hairs uh, on his body and his head obviously grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails became like bird's claws. I mean, God drove the man insane. Uh, And I I think about pride and, and how God abhors it. And, you know, when God gives a man success... He should not gloat in it. James four six says, "God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble." We should we should be careful when God honors us and and God gives us uh, a, a greater power, greater authority, greater platform, whatever it might be. You know, keep keep the right mind. Uh, you know, a man can feign humility on the outside, uh, which is tremendously hard to do. Uh, but you know, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, Donald Trump needs to be careful. He, too, he, too, could be smitten with something. Uh, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying he needs to keep a disposition of uh, humility as God begins to give him more victories. Do you remember he said, we're going to win so much, you're going to get tired of winning. And I, I thought that was a very... A profound statement. I've never known anyone that got tired of winning.
2: Uh, um, but, and Pastor, uh, yeah. here in our local stations, on our local uh, Fox station, that was one of the sound clips they played in the run-up to the election. Uh, very heavily, it was like constantly. They were constantly play that sound bite and I don't know what it was about that, but yeah, that always sticks with me too. I think about that a lot. Who's, who would ever get sick of? Uh, at what point do you say, "Oh yes, we've we've won sure. enough," you know? Let's stop.
3: Yeah.
5: Uh, any but we're athlete. seeing it. Yeah. Uh, a golfer, a football team, a hockey team, a baseball team, uh, they'd love to win every championship every year. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not possible. But, you know, those kind of statements scare me as a man. Uh, that, that's braggadocious. Uh, but, you know, when God's wind is behind your back, untold success is attainable. But just as surely... Is God's wind is removed from your back, He can flip it and it become a wind of opposition in your face. Uh, I think about Pharaoh. Um, you know, he had he was he had so much power, and God sent basically a shepherd called Moses down there with a, a staff, and the, the the wind was behind Moses, the wind of God was behind Moses, but in the face of Pharaoh, and God used a, a, a shepherd with a staff and brought down an entire nation that was the greatest power in the world. Um, I want to look at some of the, um, S.A. Ebercat, or have you pronounce his name, um, he has supposedly uh, gotten some of the plan, some of the plan that's supposed to be uh, uh, announced, and he and he presented it to the Palestinian Central Council, and there were 13 items. That's a that's a uh, a bad number to to begin with, but there were 13 items which outlined U.S. President Donald Trump's plan. And the first item recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and provided for the transferring of the U.S. Embassy to it. Well, we've already seen that come to pass. Uh, so. Uh, I, Donald Trump, um, obviously, uh, uh, I think it might have been Brother Baxter was sharing in, in one of the meetings we had. Um, he Donald Trump asked Jared Kushner, "What is the sticking point? What, what's what's the greatest sticking point?" He said, "Jerusalem." That's when Trump said, "Take it off the table." See, that's 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 the that's the deal of the, the art of the deal. He, he went to the hardest problem first and just removed it. I mean he just and when I when I saw that myself I'm like, Wow I've never heard nobody speak of doing that because it was evident and it still may happen, I don't know, because Joel too talks about they parted my city, uh and or parted my land and I I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I know all the meaning of that prophecy. It could be it could come to to pass that there is a portion of uh Jerusalem divided. Uh, that's not supposed to happen since Trump took it off the table. But nobody knows exactly, again, what the peace deal will consist of. So we, we know in the scriptures, God's given us His word, that they're going to do things that are going to oppose what God has said. And uh, that'll be, you can find that in Joel chapter 3, verse 2 uh, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Now, the reason I made that statement is because of this. In all actuality, and I know this will make some people mad, but you can go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. From the river Euphrates over to the Nile River was what God circumcised out of the land for Abraham. He said, this is your land. Now, this prophecy in Joel 3 and 2 could be twofold. It, in God's eyes, it could be absolutely wrong, because, see, God doesn't break covenant. People forget that. Um, Psalms 89, 34, my covenant will I not break, nor all through the things that have gone forth from my lips. So if you, if you divide that land, and you say, we're giving this to the Palestinians, this is Israel. And that's kind of the way it is right now. This could be one of the provocations that causes God to rise up and, and, and begin to judge. I don't know. It could be as, as what most people have thought, they're going to divide Jerusalem. That could happen, but according to Donald Trump, we're not going to do that because Israel, Jerusalem is going to be Israel's uh, capital eternally. It will be t- eternally, according to God's word, but he's trying to bring that to fruition now. So the first thing was uh, to give them that a surety that we're not going to divide Jerusalem. The second item stipulated to establish the Palestinian future capital on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And there's there's media speculation uh, that there's a little town called Abu Dis. It's near Jerusalem, and that was proposed as the capital of the state of Palestine. So, and let me say this: you know, the Palestinians, you know, declare that uh, Jerusalem is their capital. And when I was back in two thousand six seven somewhere back in there i was in jerusalem and i had dinner with the minister of tourism and he pointed out something to me i'd never heard never read it anywhere but he said pastor he said you know how many times jerusalem is mentioned in the old testament i said no sir he said over 300 times and that's using the word zion mount zion jerusalem He said, you know how many times Jerusalem was mentioned in the Quran?" I said, no, sir. He said, none. And I thought, wow, uh, the the Quran is a a fabrication of lies, and that's why the devil wasn't smart enough to put just one time in there Jerusalem. And we know that uh, 3,000 years ago that the the psalmist David captured Jerusalem. Jerusalem has a 5,000-year history. How do we know that? when Abraham had an encounter with Melchizedek says he was the king of Salem j-e-r-u-s-a-l-e-m Salem Salem and Jerusalem is the same thing and so there it is so there's a there's a there's a, a history there that's really longer than just about any city in the world and it's the city where God put his name over it the third item it's got something to do with Judea Um Benjamin Netanyahu wants to annex 15 percent of those Jewish settlements over there where the uh, Palestinians are Trump is only wanting to uh, give up 10 percent now th- there's, there's obviously a reason behind that I don't know that Trump knows but I promise you Benjamin Netanyahu knows why he's wanting the fifteen percent now this this gets um this gets kind of tenuous here matthew twenty four sixteen then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains um, brother Baxter is very very good on all of this because I don't study it as thoroughly as he does, but the point is. Uh, it's believed that the the Jews will stay in Palestine and they'll coexist together there. And when the Great Tribulation begins, those are the ones that are told to flee Judea to get out. Uh, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and woe them that are with child, and to them to give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath. Uh, the common sense, winter time: if it's snow, it's hard to travel. Sabbath, an Orthodox Jew will not travel over a mile on the Sabbath on his feet. The next verse, Matthew twenty four twenty one. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So that's when they're going to have to flee, or uh, they, 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 they may very well be lost, and there's no there's no opportunity uh, to be saved. I'm not going to say there's not. But I do know what Jesus says there in Matthew 24, when this begins to happen. And what will initiate that is verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. When you see that, Jesus said, now when you see that, when you therefore shall see the abomination, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Uh, There's going to be an acceleration of international television television coverage in the Middle East. Uh, TBN and Daystar both have studios now in Jerusalem. Uh, This is going to be aired all over the world, folks. And and I thought how God has given these networks the ability uh, to facilitate a, a, a move of that stature where... If you're a Christian and you're watching Christian television, I'm sure TBN, I'm sure DayStar will both be showing it what's taking place in the Middle East. The fourth item stipulates that the US administration will announce a common security concept for the State of Israel and the State of Palestine as partners in peace. Now, there again, you hear you hear that you continue to hear that terminology. Security, concept, partners in peace. Security and peace. Or Paul said in the First Thessalonians 5 and 3, when they shall say peace and safety. Now, obviously Benjamin Netanyahu is greatly uh, influencing the negotiation because here is what the concept includes. A demilitarized Palestinian state where they'll, they'll, they'll be demilitarized. They won't have any weaponry in regards to a military they'll have a strong police force the creation of a bilateral regional and international security cooperation with the participation of Jordan Egypt and Washington now as I said uh, they're talking to the Saudis and the Egyptians right now trying to get them on board the King Abdul of Jordan he's he's kind of waffling we'll see how that turns out the Israeli forces will maintain their presence along the Jordan River the central mountains of the West Bank, in order to protect the two states. Again, they're the one that's going to have the um, overriding military power, but it's going to be monitored, I suppose, somehow through the treaty. Who will confirm this? Will be the Antichrist. I, I don't. I can't say whether it's the United Nations uh, Army uh it United States Army, I don't believe it will be the United States Army, but how they will do that to make sure that they're getting a an honest um military watching over doing the right thing, but uh they Israel wants the overriding security responsibility and, and they stipulated for emergency situations, which means if there's rioting or anything going on, they're going to be the ones in control of what takes place. Fifth, um that the Israeli forces will withdraw gradually, and there there are three areas, and I don't know how they are uh, sequestered or how they're cordoned off, but there's a, there's an area called A, there's an area called B, there's an area called C. And uh, that's Israel uh, will withdraw gradually from those areas, and I would assume C would probably be the last right there uh, the, of, of Gaza and the Palestinians as it butts up right to Israel. Uh, the ninth um, p- provides um, I skipped over that. I- I'm not going to have time. The ninth provides uh, that Israel should allocate parts of the ports of Ashdod, Haifa, and the Ben-Gurion airport for Palestinian use while Israel maintains security control over all these portals. 10th uh, the plan includes the creation of a safe passage between the West Bank and the Gaza Strip under the sovereignty of Israel. They're going to really watch over that themselves. Again, when you read Joel chapter 3, verse 2, you question what is going to be partitioned and provoke God to make a move. Uh, number 12, uh, the territorial waters, airspace, and electromagnetic waves. And that's cell phones, towers, et cetera, shall be under Israeli control without prejudicing the needs of the Palestinian state. So I suppose uh, common sense says they're going to have a CIA, a a NSA, all these uh, entities uh, watching, observing all the electromagnetic waves. And of course, they want the airspace because of the smallness of their country. And last, a just solution, a feasible solution to the refugee issue. Within the Palestinians, now to me, to see all this come to pass, Hamas has to be removed. I don't see how this can work with them in control. Uh, they've usurped the the government of the Palestinians. They're taking, as you all know, they're taking the money that's being given to them uh, to build tunnels, uh, weapons, rockets. Uh, people don't realize. Israel filters everything that goes into the Palestinians. And you can go over there and watch them. I'm talking from Sacrete and see, they were taking that Sacrete and building tunnels. So there's there's a, just a perpetual abuse uh, of what they do because, you know, they're taught. You, know, you kill the infidels and you kill the Jews. So there's this profound malice and hatredness. Uh, and, you know, you, you think about it. Um, they're the only ones that that, that advocate just killing everyone, um, and that's 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 that, what kind of God would that be that that does that? I know Jehovah, and I'm going to get flack for that statement. That's all right. Uh, God did things in the Bible, but that was God. Um, Allah is no God. Jehovah is the only true and living God, and we have His word to verify. And there was a reason you know because they were heathens they were they were so immoral the the pagan worship the ritualism the the idolatry the idols uh... it is just it's just sad Um, so it'll be interesting uh... to see what happens but the the final thing here of all of this is going to be some kind of a shared agreement for the temple mount as i said it was twenty three years ago almost a quarter of a century When John Paul said, Jerusalem must become internationalized. Now, I'm not sure that anyone understands that agreement. Obviously, Israel will have to have sovereign control over Jerusalem. But then there will be some arrangement made on the Temple Mount for the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims. And this will be the uh, utopia. Uh, We have succeeded in Now we can have purported world peace, and and everything's going to be hunky-dory. But the truth is, when this treaty is signed, now, the reason I'm so careful is I went through this 25 years ago, and there were were men who did uh, videos, who wrote books, and declared emphatically on September the 11th, 1993, on the White House lawn, that was the final covenant and agreement the last seven years of Daniel's uh, 70 weeks and those who espoused that said come March of 1997 the Great Tribulation will begin I will say this because I, I understand enough of the timing I believe that the Great Tribulation will begin on the Temple Mount either March or April, that would be Passover. What, what greater time for the Antichrist to do that, and what greater time for it to be an abomination to Israel when he goes in there, stops the daily sacrifice, and declares himself to be God. Getting back to what I said, 1993, three and a half years later, some of these guys were espousing the Great Tribulation will begin in the spring of the year, and it would be again in March of 1997, then in September or October of 2000, Christ would return. Guess what? It didn't happen. But I do believe, with all of my heart, the Great Tribulation will begin in the spring of the year at the Temple Mount. Then when you add the 42 months, you see that number in Revelation. 42 months, 1,260 days, and you have another verse, time, that's one, times is two, now you have three, and half a time, that's three and a half years, 42 months, or 1,260 days. And so if it begins in the spring of the year, that means it would be in the fall of the year uh, when Christ would return uh, at his second coming, and Christ fulfilled the Uh, Passover and Pentecost at his first coming, he would then fulfill the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles in his second coming, and as a general rule, um, uh, the Feast of Trumpets is usually in September around Rosh Hashanah, and then you have the Feast of Tabernacles in October which is basically 30 days later, and that would be the fulfillment of Revelation 21, verse 3, when the Bible says, And God himself shall tabernacle with men. And as I said, September would be Feast of Trumpets. And when you read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. When Christ returns, there'll be that trump. Matthew, I mean, uh, First Thessalonians four sixteen seventeen, Paul's mentioned it. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one through fifty five, and then the seventh trump in Revelation chapter ten verse seven and verse uh, chapter eleven verse fifteen. So those are your that trumpet sound, and the reason we don't know whether it's March or April or September or October, every two point seven years in the Jewish calendar, you have to add a leap month we have a leap year in the Gregorian calendar they have a leap month and that leap month is called the Adar it falls between Adar and Nisan Nisan is the first month when you go back to Exodus 12 and God's brought Israel out and they're getting ready you know for their their Passover Uh, he said this is going to be the beginning of months for you so God changed their time and said this is going to be in the spring of the year and that's better known as the sacred calendar and then you have the secular calendar or Jewish calendar, and that's that starts in the fall of the year. But God said, I'm going to change that. And so because of that leap month, uh, every 2.7 years, you see that 2.7-year time frame will fall within the confines of the last 42 months, 1,260 days, or three and one-half years. So there will have to be that adjustment. That's where I believe in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel used the number twelve hundred and sixty, and then twelve ninety, and then the last one was thirteen thirty-five. I won't get into that, but I believe that's why there's the difference between twelve sixty and twelve ninety. Those thirty days will be added in there to keep the calendar or the moon synchronous with the calendar, or their calendar synchronous with the moon. So you know, everything is getting prepared, everything's getting ready. So we need to see. All of us need to be watching very closely. What will happen when Donald Trump presents his peace plan to the world? Now you got to remember something: Uh, uh, the United Nations just wrote more um, charges up against Israel uh, just the other day. There's such hatred. There's such hatred uh, toward them. But when this peace plan is fully developed and Donald Trump announces it, you want to you want to read it, get your hands on it, and see what are the agreements. What are they agreeing to? What's the terms? And you want to be looking. The main thing will be the shared agreement on the Temple Mount, because that's where the Muslims, the Jews, and the Christians will purportedly have it all worked out, and everybody gets to do what they want to do. If I remember, John Paul was espousing Friday for the Muslims, Saturday for the Jews, Sunday for the Christians. That was the that was the initial protocol. So we'll see uh, how it how it comes out, but. I want to encourage everyone, uh, we're, we're going to get busy, uh, here in our ministry, uh, we've got a new couple uh, coming to work for us, Stephen and Jasmine Wood are coming to work for us, they have a little daughter named Lily, they'll be coming to work for us the first week in July, and so we're trying to get a lot of things accomplished, a lot of things done, and I'm happy to have them coming on board to help me, And but I don't want to get distracted, but keep watching to see what this deal of the century, Donald Trump's, is going to be and we need to be looking to see what's in it, because it's going to be very uh, forth-telling, not foretelling, but forth, F-O-R-T-H, forth-telling where we're headed, what's going to take place, and let's see what the, uh, the purported solutions are for the Palestinians and the Israelis. I, I kind of hope that uh, enlightens people a little bit tonight regarding Daniel's 70th week, because I believe we're getting ready to enter into that final week pretty soon. I can't say when, but... The, the, the initiation of it will be when they sign a peace treaty, and you see somebody uh, confirming it, and that's going to assure them, I'm going to see that this peace accord is executed correctly, and I'm going to watch over it, And uh, but that will be the Antichrist, and he's going to be the one to break it. Uh, in the sense of, he didn't make it, but he's going to break it, going to squash the covenant because he's going to make desolations in Israel. So, I hope that helps the people tonight, Joe and Doug.
1: Yeah, uh, pa- Pastor, is it? Uh, I'm, I'm just wow, a lot of information. Is it your um, assessment that that the President Donald Trump's actions are accelerating the timeline? I, I, I guess that's my question. Absolutely. You think
5: about, um, he was going to move the embassy in 2019. See how much he moved that up?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this
5: guy, you know, I don't know what it is, Doug. You're old enough. We're the same age, close to being the same age. All these guys, Carter, all of Reagan, Clinton, the Bushes, everybody's tried to get this deal. And just as soon as it looks like it's there, it would all go down the drain. But now... I just believe God is in the arrangements as never before, and, and and then again we'll we'll wait and see. You know, I'm not predicting, I'm not prophesying anything. I'm just telling you this is what the Bible says is going to happen. Hmm. See, and Jesus in the uh, in John fourteen twenty nine, he said, "I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe." And you can't beat the accuracy of the Scriptures.
1: Amen. Wow well tr- tremendous amount of information pastor uh, that, that, that was uh, stunning in fact we're gonna have to, I'm going to have to listen to this again just to uh, get all the nuances and, well I appreciate wow. that and and I and I do recall it was back in uh, 1984 um, pope john paul ii the apostolic letter uh, about jerusalem that mm-hmm. uh, really kind of uh, uh, I, you know, more I, I we realize, we're
5: it's, uh, uh, it it's well, I'm not. I'm, it's, the the Catholic Church uh, is is tremendously involved, and, right. and to me, that's Revelation 18, for Come out of her, my people, uh, that you be not partaker of her plagues, and that's Man. the wrath, the judgment of God. And if you if you didn't get my book, The New Jerusalem Bride, you need to get that book. I don't want to be unbecoming here or ugly but when he says come out of her that's anatomically and that's why the church is the body of christ only a man can come out of a woman and uh, i hear people say well the church is the bride of christ can't be because i ask people who's the body of christ then can't be both roles uh, there's a great mystery there paul said but he said get out come out of her and uh, so people need to really be waking up. I thank you for your time tonight, gentlemen.
1: Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much, Pastor. We really, excuse me, really appreciate your time and Daniel's seventieth week uh, explained. The, 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 thank you, thank you for for your gracious gift of time. Really appreciate. Well, you're it.
5: quite welcome, and God bless everyone. And Lord willing, we'll see you next week.
1: All right. God bless. Thank you, gospel. sir. Thank you. Bye bye. Looks, that'll do it for us tonight. That was Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism my goodness how time just consider what he said just consider his teaching his sermon wow. yeah and it was a great show Stuart Rhodes in the first hour Joe Hoff,
2: brother of Jim Hoff from the Gateway Pundit in hour two and Pastor Lang for taking us out Uh very interesting stuff the IG report tomorrow we have a lot of news coming out about this and we will uh I'm sure be covering it tomorrow during our daily shows and on our evening shows. So keep your eye out for that and for everything else that's going on. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great night.